human knee. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime and me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Crime and E. We're your hosts, Matt and Angela, and we're coming back at you with another week. Oh, fucked up shit to tell you. Surprise, we made it. <laughs> are you surprised to hear from us? We are. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Every week I'm surprised. Yes. Every week I'm like, well, guess we're not putting an episode out this week. Yeah, it's obviously too late to record. But you know what? We... We are procrastination station, and we make it work. Well, and life happens, so, Life know. happens, and you make lemonade or something like that. That's right. Mm-hmm. You make coffee out of your lemons, and it's all good. Mm. Anyway, um, so welcome to year two of our podcast. What? Officially. <laughs> oh, officially. Hooray. Okay, let's jump That's in. enough celebration. Yeah. Let's get depressed. Yeah, don't get too happy. Okay, I got... A lot of my information from a an an article um, from Vanity Fair that was just like it was really good, but they are like so descriptive that it took me like a week to read the article because yeah, it's a lot. Vanity Fair is amazing. It's amazing. It's a lot. Their journalists kill it every time, and they get really into like. The weather and the scenery and the vibe of the town and the street and yeah, they're very in-depth. And then I touched a bit on Wikipedia just to kind of compare notes and I got like a dabbling from Oxygen.com. Uh-oh. Oh. (laughs) Drama. So I'm going to tell you the story of Sante and Kenny Kimes. Huh. You look like you've heard this I feel this like song. it sounds familiar. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll start out with Sante. Sante Kimes was born Sante Singers, July 24th, 1934, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. She was the third of four siblings to parents Mary Van Horn and Prama Mahendra Singers. Her mom was of Dutch descent and was brought up very religious And her dad was of East Indian descent, and he traveled the world performing magic acts and different performances at, like, carnivals and, like... What a pair! uh, Yeah, so obviously her dad did not approve of their marriage. Yeah, magic? No. That's, like, Satan's work. Satan, very much so. And, uh... Speaking of, let's all support the Satanic Temple because they are doing amazing work right now. Fuck yeah. In Texas and everywhere. Everywhere. Please support them. And if you don't know, Satanic Temple does not... We we do not believe in Satan as a being. All we're there for is humans, human development, being kind to one another, treating people with respect, what we should be doing. Letting people have control over their own bodies. Basically, Mm. it's a big fuck you to religion. Autonomy. Mm -hmm. So join up the Satanic Temple, not the Church of Satan. That's a different thing. The Satanic Temple is what you want. It's doing good things. They are making things happen. Yeah, looking at you, Texas. Okay, sorry. Ugh. Okay, <laughs> anyway. So, um, as you do when you're a religious 
woman and your family does not approve of your boyfriend, yeah. you marry him right away. You got to. So within weeks of meeting, they got married. Lock him down. Lock it. Sante's younger sister says that Sante was a nightmare to live with. Ooh. She, even as a small child, like, she, she enjoyed hurting Uh-oh. animals and her sister. Her sister said one of her first memories of Sante was her holding lit matches to oh. her hands, to the sister's hands, and smiling and laughing. <gasps> oh my god, she's an evil little thing. Yeah, oh yeah. Fuck. She also said that Sante enjoyed herding animals on the land that they had, uh, sometimes sticking hat pins <gasps> into goats' hindquarters. Yeah, um... Also, PSA, sibling abuse is a real thing, so sometimes sometimes siblings are mean to you, and it's just like, you know... You better not be Childhood antics. No, but sometimes... <laughs> no, yours never, like, went to that, that far. I'm just, mm. you know... It's mm. not just, like, you don't have to love people just because they're in your family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. For this sure. This bitch was abusing her siblings. This bitch. And she was, like, seven. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah. Some people are just born rotten. Mm. So their dad died of heart failure, I think, when they were pretty young. And so, like, the exact details of her life growing up are a little fuzzy because, well, she's a liar always. Yeah. yeah. Um, but from what I gathered, her two older siblings, I guess, were, like, maybe old enough to, like, leave the house or something because, like, after the dad died, they just talk about her and her little sister. Oh, okay. And her mom. Oh. So, um, yeah, so the, uh, the, they lived in poverty, barely able to get by. At one point, the government had, had to intervene, and they put the girls in a girl's home, since they deemed Mary neglectful, because she couldn't provide for them. Oh, no. Mary did all that she could to get her girls back, and she eventually did. Damn. And they moved from Oklahoma to Los Angeles... Damn. In the hopes that Mary could make some money to start over. It said in one of the articles that Mary got into sex work to make ends meet, so I'm guessing, yeah, yeah, there's probably more opportunity in L.A. for that than Oklahoma. Yeah, for sure. They ended up renting an apartment above a store, and the landlord felt so bad for them that he let them stay for free. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a kind person. And then I'm not sure exactly how this next part happened, but when Sante was about 12, a wealthy couple from Nevada asked Mary if they could adopt her. What? And take her with them to their home in Carson City, Nevada. Yeah, I'm not sure if, like... How does that happen? I don't know how they met. I'm not really sure. But Mary was like, well, I mean, you are probably give her a better life than I can. Right? You guys are rich and you're, like, upstanding citizens. And Also, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> also, get her the fuck away. <laughs> So Mary agreed and let them take her daughter. Wow. Sante's little sister recalled that the day that Sante was taken away... Was the best day ever. Her and her mother danced (gasps) and were overjoyed that Sante was out of their lives. So she was even, like, horrible to her mother, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So now Sante is living with a wealthy couple, Edwin and Mary Chambers. Do you think that the mom, like, on the sly kind of, like... Was like anyone want yeah, you know? a free child? I have no idea. The couple had uh, adopted a son also that was younger than Sante, so like I don't know, they were into like adopting children. 
And when Mary, when, when, sorry, when Sante moved, she started going by Sandra Chambers or Sandy Chambers. Okay. And I, it said um, in this one article that when she was in Oklahoma, she had a really hard time in school because she was of East Indian descent that a lot right. of the kids were like, we don't want to talk to you or play with you because you're brown. Yeah, you're darker. And so she, like, made an effort to, like, wear a lot of, like, lighter cover-up makeup and stuff when oh, she, like, no. moved to Carson City. And yeah. she was able to, like, make a bunch of friends and, yeah. like, yeah, just really fucked up oh. racism. And um, they put her in, like, a really good high school and like I said, she was able to make friends and she seemed to thrive there. And, but her thriving also went into thriving and not so good things. Like she got really into shoplifting. Thriving and shoplifting. Uh-huh. She really thrived in shoplifting. <laughs> and she would sometimes steal her, her adopted father's, her adoptive father's credit cards. Uh, and like, she didn't need any of the stuff. Yeah, she could obviously. afford to buy things that she took and her, parents her adoptive parents were like always like willing to buy her whatever she wanted well, that's but not what it's about exactly it was the th- like the thrill of getting, getting away one with over it and getting someone. that adrenaline rush yeah throughout high school she dated a guy named edward walker who was said to be the nicest boy in town <laughs> <laughs> and like i said the chambers doted on sante she had the nicest clothes of anyone at school they took her traveling she went skiing horseback riding she basically went from rags to riches, and she... That is so crazy for them to, like, take this on. Mm-hmm. And she, like, vowed never to go back to being in rags. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Some classmates said that she could be overpowering and manipulative. Mm. In eighth grade, she bought herself and her friend Ruth cheerleading uniforms, even though they were not officially cheerleaders or on the cheerleading squad. They would just put on their uniforms and show up to games and then race out onto the court before the actual cheerleaders could go cheer. And then they would do, like, their routine or whatever, and the real cheerleaders were like, what the fuck? I kind of love it. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, fuck you, we're cheerleaders now. Mm -hmm. We're, like, opening the show. (laughs) We're here. We'll get the audience warmed up. Yep. So she did, you know. I just, like, imagine, like, her and her friend, like, practicing their routines. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And they probably had, like, cooler uniforms that were, like, flashier because she could afford to pay them and they weren't school uniforms. Oh, man. So she did, you know, she was like that all throughout high school and stuff. And then a week after graduating high school, she married a young man in the Army named Lee Powers. What an Army name. Powerful. Lee Powers. But that didn't last long, and she divorced him. Well... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, she, like, dated one guy all through high school, and then a week out of high school, she married someone else? Well, so, I I did watch, like, this... God, I didn't source it, but I did watch this, like, little documentary thing on it, because sometimes I like being... I like it being told instead of reading sometimes. Yeah. And they said that, like... I don't remember how she got together with Lee Powers, but she had told him that... And I think it was because oh, he's in the army, he's going to get, like, money or whatever, like, he has a job. So she told him that she was pregnant, 
and then he was like, oh, I guess we have to get married. What? So they got married, and then he was like, like, six months later, he was like, you're not, like, showing at all. And then she was like, oh, yeah, it was, like, a mistake. I'm not pregnant. And then he was like, uh, wow. I'm, I'm out. That's manipulative. Yeah. So she decided that she was going to better herself or whatever, I don't know, but she decided to go to secretarial school and ended up reconnecting with her high school friend, Ruth. The two of them moved to Sacramento, California (laughs) in clerical positions. Hi, hi. And eventually, while still in Sacramento, Sante managed to get in touch with her high school boyfriend, Edward Walker, Uh, and the two were quickly married. Edward was a general contractor who was building houses in Sacramento Whoa. and was able to afford to give... Okay, my my thing keeps auto-correcting San, Sante to yeah. Santa. So, so... <laughs> so now she'll be for, referred to as Santa. Santa. <laughs> so Sante was, like, basically able to live the comfortable life she always wanted. She just as quickly was... Or just as quickly as they got married, she fell pregnant with her son, Kent. Fell pregnant. Fell pregnant. I love it. You know how it is in the olden you days. Like fall, and then it's like, oh my god, I'm pregnant. The woman gets pregnant. That's how it happens. Yeah. It's she never falls pregnant. Falls pregnant. The stork like pushes her, and then she falls pregnant, mm-hmm. and then they drop a baby off later. Right, right, right. right. Speaking of storks, Zachary made me watch Dumbo the other night. Oh my god. He's like, I haven't seen it forever. I was like, no, it's so depressing. depressing I don't want to watch it. And then he like made me watch it, and I swear he was sleeping through it. And I like kept being like, are you asleep? And he was like, nope. And I was like, what is happening then? And he was like. Uh, and I was like, why are we watching this? Why am I yeah, watching an this? An elephant fly? God, it was so fucking depressing. Yeah, that movie sucks. Yeah, it was awful. Sorry. I Did just, you watch was... the original or the new one? No, the original. Right. I heard the new one wasn't good either. Yeah. But, um, anyway. I just thought it was a story. Yeah, so they love like, to oh. make depressing oh, movies for children. Oh, and now on like Disney Plus, like movies like Dumbo, they'll have like a thing at the beginning where it's like, this movie is kind of racist, so heads up. <laughs> Whoa, okay. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I was like, we're like, That's oh. Cool. <laughs> there are some questionable things in here. depressing and like about like animal cruelty. Why are you watching this? <laughs> drunk animals and. Children. Dumbo is like a baby who got drunk. <laughs> it's like, fuck. And not just drunk, but, like, on some kind of hallucinogens. They, like, humiliated him. And baby. he's a baby. I'm like, oh. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I was very disturbed. Well, during their during their time together, Sante was still shoplifting, and uh, she started her new venture of setting fires to some of the homes that Edward was building so that they could get insurance money. Fun! They're, like, mm. the dynamic duo. Yeah, I'm not sure how much he knew about it, oh. but, like, she would be like, oh, no, another one. Good thing we got that He's insurance. Like, that's so weird. I've been a contractor for, like, years. Never. I've never had a house You know, the down. heat in California, it gets hot. We got fires. And now it's, like, one every fucking couple months. Mm-hmm. Damn. But shortly after the birth of Kent, the couple divorced. Oh, and Sante raised Kent by herself, and by all accounts, she was a great mother to him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I just, yeah, I can't, okay. In 1971, driven by what, driven by the want for more all the time, Sante set her sights on a millionaire who was single. I guess she, like, literally, like, researched, like, millionaires who were single, and then, like, 
found ones that she could and, like that the were yellow pages her, i don't know how M. she yeah <laughs> exactly i have no idea how she's researching them but she was like gotta find them so she met this motel tycoon Ooh. named kenneth kimes who was 17 years older than her and she told oh this is great she told her son son kent at one point that you should never marry for looks or love only for money. Money is all that matters in the world. Well, it's kind of like a business deal, you right. know? Yeah. And she was like, make sure, like, money is it. Never, even if you're in love, no, that's not a good reason. No. Like, it has to be about money and it has to be a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. to make it worth mm-hmm. it. Come on now. Although, did she even get money out of her divorce? Like, if she's raising him by herself, is she I'm getting, sure like... she got money from him, okay. yeah. I'm sure he was paying, like, child support and. Well, she's just your classic romantic. Yeah. But she was able to get the attention of Kenneth pretty fast because... She moves fast. Well, she's, all, she's a businesswoman. That's right. Mm-hmm. Some people said that during this time she looked like Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, beautiful. So he was like, whoa, what's she's this hot. young hottie interested <laughs> in me? He told a relative that he was fascinated by her. And that she was dedicated 100% to satisfy every fantasy, desire, and urge of his. Gross. (laughs) Gross. She obviously dated him in the hopes that he would marry her. Kenneth had two kids from a previous marriage and had his will set up so that in the event of his death, all the money would go to his two kids. Yeah. She's going to make some quick work of that. He told friends and family that he would never marry Sante. Ooh. That although he loved her and that they had lots of fun together and he thought she was super awesome, he said he knew that if he changed his will, she would want all the money <gasps> and he was just not willing to give that to her. He's also a shrewd businessman. Exactly. Wow. So they dated for four... He's also like, never marry for love, yeah. marry for money. <laughs> money, yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, I promised my, my two kids that I was going to give them this and I know what happens when, you know, you're older and you yeah, got Yeah, you could have, like, a prenup and then be like, I'll give you, like, you know, know, a percentage, but... So they were da- they dated for four years and still no ring. So Sante did the next best thing that she assumed would get her some kind of money. You know what that is? What? She got pregnant. Oh, damn, girl. In 1975 with her second son named Kenneth Karam Kimes. So she's got a Kent and a Kenneth. And she's liking those Ks. She loves the Ks. The couple had houses all over. They had a house in Hawaii, Vegas, the Bahamas. Sounds more like he has a house. Right. All over. They drove Cadillacs and Lincolns, and Sante started wearing big black wigs and large, large diamond rings. It made her look more like Elizabeth Taylor, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Don't look at me like that. I didn't make her do it. I'm not a wig person, so I don't know, but maybe it made her... You know, she was... I wonder how big. It was like a bouffant type. What? Wig. Why? I don't know. So, okay, in 1971, uh, before the birth of Kenneth, Sante and Kenneth came up with a a scheme to make money. They printed and sold posters and bumper stickers for the Bicentennial of the American Revolution without the approval of the official Bicentennial Commission. So what? I know, I know. 
Sante then used its letterhead for press releases calling Kenneth an honorary bicentennial oh, ambassador okay. of the United States of America. Well, that's where you're going to mess up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. Kimes, she wrote in one, has been recognized by heads of state and the United Nations and given recognition for his contributions among the world of school children. What? Yeah, so she basically that is building bold. him up. Wow. She actually managed wow. to get she managed to get him an official recognition by the commission basically by just saying that well, he's already recognized and they were like, "Oh, I guess he's recognized. I guess he's one of us." What? Yeah. And then she would How like How did that work? I don't know. She is like manipulative as fuck. What the fuck. She also got him all kinds of like events as like an official speaker on patriotism on like what at like the these hell? different like bougie events. In 1974, they crashed four A-list parties, including one thrown by the Fords, the president at the time. She is like the OG Kardashian mom. Yeah. She's like, I'm throwing this kid in your face, and you're going to love him or give him money. Oh, no, this isn't the kid. This is her husband. Not the husband. The boyfriend. Oh. She's setting up because she's like, oh, he's like wealthy and stuff. Well, maybe we'll get him a higher position and he can make more money. Wait, the husband's a K as well? He's Kenneth. They're both Kenneths. She named him after. Oh, that's very confusing. Yeah. Okay, that's why I thought it was the kid. Yeah, okay, no. never it's, mind. It's Sorry. It's the, hus- the non-husband. So he's just going along with this. Yeah, he's like, okay, this is fun. What the fuck? This is so bizarre. Okay. Yeah, there's a picture of them posing with President, President Ford and the First Lady like at this party that they crashed. So she's, up. like, writing these things, being like, oh, he's been recognized. Mm-hmm. Then he gets recognized. And then he like, knows it? how he got recognized, and he's still, like, yeah. fine with it. I was like, okay. I mean, this, I mean, she's manipulative as fuck. And he's okay with that. Apparently. Okay. That's why he won't marry her, because he's like, I know how she is. <laughs> she's crazy, but, man, does she know how to get us into a party. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, she's okay. a good time. Horrified that the Kimeses had managed to slip by Secret Services, the wow, because uh, they went to like the president's party and they were like, "How the fuck did they get in here? They weren't invited." Well, it was her hair it dazzled it them. It does. You got to get a bouffant. They're like someone with that big of a hair. Big of hair is definitely like that status. Friend of the president. Yeah, I mean it was in France back status, in the day. Yeah. So, so the FBI decided they were going to kind of, like, investigate them. Yeah. Because they were like, what the fuck? Party crashers. Mr. Kimes has only the interests of America at heart, Sante told the press. We just care about unity and getting rid of cynicism in the world. Mr. Kimes is a Will Rogers type, a self-starter, a tiger. I love how, like, easy it is, like, for people who are, like, you know, patriots or whatever, mm-hmm. just to be like, oh, America first, and we all just, like, love America and unity, and it's like, they, like, eat that shit up, where yeah. it's like, you're saying nothing. You're saying nothing, yeah, you're just getting people riled up, like, being like, oh, they believe what we believe. Oh, my God, they're like us. We're, we're the same. Oh, my God, America first, even oh though a lot of us weren't even here first. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, she was all about promoting Kenneth Sr., Thank you, that helps. (laughs) So that he could get to the top and bring her up with him. Yeah, but bitch, he didn't put a ring on it. Plus, he probably felt, like, really fucking special that she was, like, doting on him all the time and, like, we're going to get you up to, you know what? Fuck them. We're going to get you to the top. We're going to get, you want to go to the president's party? We're going to go to the president's party. You want to be the president? We're going to make you the the president. president. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All the while, she was still running insurance scams, like the time that she hired an attorney to sue an insurance company that refused to pay... 
out a $100,000 claim for a tapestry that she said was stolen from their Honolulu home. A $100,000 tapestry that was stolen. (laughs) Friends and family claimed that they had never seen such a tapestry before in their possession. Kenneth's sister, Kenneth's elderly sister, who was living with them at the time. They broke into their house to steal a tapestry. Yes. Well, it's a... Who has tapestries? (laughs) When you have hair like that, you have tapestries. I guess, yeah, you're living in, like, 15th century France. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. So Kenneth's elderly sister was living with them at the time, and she testified in court that she had never seen such a tapestry. Right. That really fucking pissed Sante off. Yeah, of course. It's ruining her scheme. And uh, she ended up keeping the sister basically prisoner at their home, refusing to feed her, (gasps) and like basically keeping her locked away until other relatives came and took her away. Took the elderly sister away. And he was like, whatever about it? I guess. What the fuck? (laughs) I hate these people. He was just like really passive. Either that or he was, like, kind of evil, too. Could be. Well, I mean, yeah, because it gets, I mean, well, anyway. Okay. Mm. The attorney they hired was also never paid. The one they they were like, sue these people, and then they never paid him. I just feel like that's so common, where it's like, rich bitches, they don't pay people yep. to actually do their bidding. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Sante also filed a false insurance claim on a $30,000 Rolex that she said she'd bought for her husband that was stolen. Jesus Christ. She also uh, reportedly acquired a new white Cadillac by one day going to the dealership and taking it for a test drive and never returning it. (laughs) You can do, like, what? Apparently she she did it. What the (laughs) fuck? When when the attorney went to serve them papers to sue them for not paying for the Cadillac, yeah, he was unable to find them. The house that they had in Honolulu that he was familiar with as their house mysteriously burned <gasps> down, and the couple had left the state. But what about their tapestries? Well, they were stolen, so there was nothing left in that house. That is crazy. When the attorney investigated further, he discovered that Sante had a rap sheet going back to 1961 for crimes like petty theft, auto theft, and credit card forgery, and she had over 20 aliases. Wow. (laughs) So, back to baby Kenny being born. Yeah, where is he in all this? Okay, so Kenneth Sr. loved Kenny Jr. and doted on him. Sante was overprotective and a bit of a helicopter mom, as much as one can be a helicopter mom when you hire nannies and tutors and the like. Well, you helicopter the nannies and tutors. Basically. Kenny wasn't allowed to go to school, so he had private tutors to teach him. Um, Sante wanted to be in full control of anyone who had contact with Kenny. Ew. When Kenny was five, they moved to Las Vegas. I mean, I understand, like, wanting to protect your child, but, like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, also, I believe her older son, Kent, stayed in L.A., I think. I'm not sure how old he was or who was taking care of him or what, but... Yeah, where did There's, he like, mo- not much discussion of him. Damn. 
So, yeah, so they moved to Las Vegas. So, yeah, she was a great mom until she abandoned him. <laughs> well, you know, I think he decided he wanted to stay wherever he was. Okay. I don't know how old he was. Their new neighbors remember Kenny as a timid, eccentric boy who desperately wanted to play with the other kids in the neighborhood. Oh, God, that's but so sad. anytime a kid would approach, his nannies would pull him away and hurry him along. That is so sad. He just wants um, to play Sante with the told kids. the other parents that Kenny had a genius range IQ and she didn't want him mingling with common kids. Shut so up. So if you could just keep your gross common kids away. I don't want your kids to dumb down my kid. Basically. He's they're like basic bitches and my kid is like a genius. She did eventually handpick a couple kids that she allowed him to play with, but she always... like, interview them? Like, what the yes, fuck? and always under supervision. She's like, you need to sit down for an IQ test, and we're going to do a background check, and... She's such a bitch. <laughs> In 1985... F- Those kids probably were so uncomfortable. Oh, like, God, playing yeah. Like, playing Yeah, she probably told them how to play and what to play. She's, like, watching them. It was probably, like... like <laughs> Like, oh, Can I go home now? here's how we're going to put, everyone's going to read the dictionary. Mm. She's like, I got you guys all cheerleader uniforms. You can <laughs> practice. practice your cheers. <laughs> I made up the cheer for you. <laughs> I have my routines. old routines still mm-hmm. memorized, so I will teach them to you and then you do them back. Yep. In 1985, FBI agents showed up at their rental home in La Jolla and arrested Sante and Kenneth on the charge of slavery. What? <laughs> what? Over a couple of years, the couple would go down to Mexico, find some young women, and promise them work in the United States. Oh, God. They would then, sne- then sneak them over the border and bring them to their house. They're trafficking human beings. Yes. Once there, the women were worked hard seven days a week. Oh, my God. Not paid at all and treated like shit. One woman testified that Sante had burned her with a hot iron and another said that Sante threw her into a scalding shower. These poor women, what the fuck? Another woman was made to pray for forgiveness on her knees and then locked in a room for several days without food or water. Oh my god. They were not allowed to leave the house unless accompanied by Sante herself, and she threatened that she would call the authorities on them if they misbehaved. One fuck? woman managed to escape and actually, like, ran to the FBI office mm-hmm. and told them what was going on. Wow. Yeah. The prosecutors weren't sure if Kenneth was involved um, or, like, as involved as Sante was, so they let him have lesser charges brought against him. He's going down yeah. to Mexico. Yeah. It's his house. I don't uh-uh. I don't know how that worked, but uh-uh. he was ordered to pay a fine and he got probation. For human trafficking. Yes. Uh-uh. Sante was sentenced to five years in the federal penitentiary. Okay. Okay. At the time it's something. Yeah. At the time of his mother's arrest, Kenny was eleven. Damn. He said at one point that the years his mother was in prison were the happiest of his life. Oh God. His dad let him enroll in the local high school. He was able to not only make, or he was able to make as many friends as he wanted. He was also allowed to have them over to his house and have sleepovers. Oh my God. Kenneth Sr. cut back his work hours so that he could spend more time with his son. 
He even had a pool built in their backyard so that Kenny could have friends over to swim. And Kenny was, like, finally a normal, happy child. That's amazing that he was, like, well-adjusted enough to make those connections in high school. Yeah, like, people, classmates of his said that he was just, like, a really fun, sweet guy. That who, kid is Brazilian. Who, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, who, like, they, they said, like, he was... He was just, like, a normal guy. Like, he was very extroverted and, like, fun and, like, always, like, smiling and always, like, a, wow. just, like, you know, a super friendly guy. And he had a lot of friends and everyone wanted to be his friend and go to his house and hang out. And Wow. But unfortunately, in 1989, on early release, Sante got out of prison. Kenny obviously was upset that she was back. They're not even married, though. Like, can't he fight her for custody and just be like, you know. I think he's I don't know, he's fine with her, but like the son obviously isn't. Yeah, but if he loves his kids so much, can't he see like what I she's doing know. to him? I don't know. Probably, but then it's probably like, oh, well, she's the mother and like mm. I got to take my step like I stepped up to the plate before cuz you know, I don't know how involved he was with Kenny when which she was when around. She was around yeah. or how much she allowed him to be involved. Damn. So as soon as she came back, she forbade Kenny from seeing any of his friends ever again. Oh my God. Saying that they were all bad influences on him. She also pulled him out of school and then they like went on a world tour to celebrate her release. Oh. And I guess when they got back, she did allow him to continue going to school, but, she, but he had to go to a different school and she had to handpick his friends. What is her fucking deal? Why is she, like, so obsessed with him? Kenny was so upset that he he sent letters to his, like, original friends telling yeah. them how desperate he was to have her leave again. He even sent one friend money asking if he could hire a hitman to kill her. Oh, fuck. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. In 1994, Kenneth Sr., died oh no oh no and he left sante and kenny nothing oh <gasps> what a scoundrel his entire sante wealth, yeah whatever but his own son he told her he wasn't gonna leave her anything not her but his kid yeah. his entire what he just never fuck? he never changed his will he never so much for, like, loving your kid and caring about what happens to him. I think he thought that if he gave anything to Kenny, Sante would get it. It would go to her, and he didn't want her to have any of it. No, but he could set up, like, a trust that only he can get to when he's, like, a certain... Like, there are ways around it. There are ways around it. Sure. I know she's manipulative and whatever, but that was, like... That was a dick move. Yeah, he... That's he left, fucked. He left everything to his, old, his eldest two children, and... One of those kids said that toward the end of Kenneth's life, he began to distrust Sante and fear her. Sure. Sante began to steal what she could from the estate while her and Kenny w still lived there. Yeah. Um, Sante, so this is, I want to say clever, but like, yeah, fucked okay. up. Yeah. Sante put a put the wrong social security number like she put the social security number of a different man named kenneth kimes on kenneth's death certificate how do you find out this information i don't know and this is like before like googling shit i don't fucking know like but the somehow dark web or she whatever. must have paid someone to get i don't know but she put the wrong social security number so 
it took, uh, so his death was basically kept a secret from his two kids, his heirs, for two years. <gasps> she didn't tell them, and they weren't told because the death wasn't reported that it was him. The other part of that, though, is, like, you weren't even talking to your dad. Yeah. So you didn't, exactly. need, like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's on them, kind of. So in those two years, she basically cleaned out the estate. Yeah, she, took she did. Took everything and sold it. Yeah, took she what she wanted. Did. <laughs> she forged Kenneth's signature. Um, but you're right. Like, how would you know to do that? You know? Yeah. That's crafty. Yeah. She's crafty. She's crafty. She's a scrappy bitch. So uh, somehow she was able to forge Kenneth's signature during these two years when people still thought he was alive. And she managed to buy herself a $6 million home in Santa Barbara. All right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And uh, nobody really knows what she did with the other couple million that she was able to steal from the house. But I'm sure she just, like, spent it on shit. Probably more I bouffants mean, and yeah, furs. I mean, the I with the whole, like, his other kids thing, like, maybe it was, you know, when the dad was in a relationship with her, she was probably, like, controlling of their contact too maybe and maybe she was like oh he's sick like he can't talk to you and probably maybe it's like that i don't mean to like blame them but yeah no i mean it could could be anything but as far as i know they weren't informed of his death for two years (sighs) and she was able to like clean up crazy (laughs) at one point her and her son kenny started a business where they would go to cuba and smuggle back cigars and then sell them online She's like an entrepreneur. Wow. They also set up some sort of business deal with this guy named Sheikh Khalifa bin Jaber Jaber Al-Tani, who was a member of the ruling family of Qatar. Qatar? Mm-hmm. His family owned the Gulf Union Bank in the Cayman Islands. Shit. Where 55-year-old Syed Bilal Ahmed worked as a problem account investigator, I can so read. So something's fishy. So he's keeping eyes on the he... accounts, and he's like, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then one day, Syed disappeared. Uh-oh. The same night that he had dined with Sante. Uh-oh. It's believed that he found irregularities in Kenneth Kimes' accounts at Golf Union. Oh, what? He had offshore accounts um, in the Cayman Islands? Mm. Oh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And both his hotel and apartment, because I guess he was, like, in a hotel where they were meeting or whatever, and then he lived, like, in another town. Both his hotel and apartment were cleared out before police could investigate. Ooh. So that's, you know, a thing. Like, this guy goes missing. Sure, that's a thing. After they met up with him, and he was investigating their accounts. Hmm. So, um... Obviously, with his dad gone, Kenny became vulnerable to his mother's power, and uh, she convinced him to drop out of college. Shit. He lasted six months in college before she made him quit. Damn. I guess before he moved out for college, Sante and Kenny um, would sleep in the same room. Nope. Ew. Nope. Ew. (laughs) His roommate in college said that Kenny told him about Sante She's a really evil, evil person, and it took me a while to realize that. He said that about his about mother? His mm-hmm. Wow. And then a fellow student said of Kenny, he's very cunning. Kenny only does things when he thinks he won't get caught. 
Oh. He is very good at not getting caught. Oh. Which, I mean, if you're raised by someone that's the same, you kind of yeah. learn the tricks of the trade. Yeah. He's in the family business. Yeah. Oh. In 1998, the remains of David Kasdan were found in a dumpster near LAX, which is an airport in Los Angeles. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. I was telling other people. <laughs> David had allowed the Kimeses to use his name on the deed of a home in Las Vegas that they had lived in in the 70s. Sante convinced... What? Yeah. I guess he was like a good, like a family friend. Like they had known him for a long time. And yeah, but why do they need his name on a deed? They what are they doing? It, I don't... I, why, yeah, why would you agree to that? It just sounds not Shady good. as fuck. Sante convinced... Okay, so before David went missing... Sante convinced a notary to forge David's signature on a loan for $280,000. How with, is she finding these people? I don't know. <sighs> using the house that he had already, uh, you know, signed the deed on as collateral. When David found out about the forgery, because the bank sent him a letter being like, oh, congratulations on your loan. And mm-hmm. he's like, what loan? Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> He threatened to expose the Kimeses if they didn't transfer the loan to their own names. Look, if someone asks you to put your name on their deed, they're obviously into shady shit. And they're probably going to make you eat their pudding. They take a loan out in your name mm-hmm. and you're going to confront them without being like, uh, police, I need some protection right now. I think, unfortunately for David, he thought that because they had been such good friends for so many years oh, that David. he was just like, oh, I'll just like, you know, maybe you they, I don't know, I'll just like let them know, not cool, guys. You, you don't matter to them, David. Yeah. Oh. Sante ordered Kenny to kill David. <gasps> Her son? Yep. No. Kenny went to David's house with a friend of his. No. David knew them and let them in. And at some point during that evening, Kenny shot David. He in, did it? In the back of the head, he did. Kenny, The no. friend said that he was not anywhere near the, the two when the murder happened. He was, like, outside or something, and he heard the shot go off, and then Kenny... Why would he bring a friend? ...to help clean up. Because Kenny, after, oh. after the shot rang out, Kenny came out and was like, hey, gotta help me. So then the two men... Cleaned the house so they didn't leave any evidence behind, and then they loaded David's body into their car and drove it to a dumpster near one of the car rental places at the airport. And then they, like, dumped his body and left the car, like, in the parking lot. Which is, I don't... Like, they rented the car? I don't think so. Oh. I don't know. It's I think it was, like, one of their cars, but I don't know. It might have been a rental. Oh. It wasn't very specific. Okay. Or maybe I just missed that. <laughs> Around the same time, the Kimes' home in Vegas mysteriously caught fire. How can one person be responsible for, like, so much fire and destruction and just, like, not be caught until... Well, before that fire, they took out lots of fire insurance policies under the name Robert McCarran... McCarran? Robert McCarran... Mm-hmm. Robert was a man that Sante and Kenny picked up at a homeless shelter. Oh, God, Robert. Weeks after the fire. Oh, no. Yeah, so I guess they, like, 
got this guy and they were like, you, here, we're going to put you in this house. You have to live in this house. Oh. And also you're going to like sign all these things and you're going to say that you own this house. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but then like weeks after the fire, Robert told authorities that the Kimeses had held him prisoner and beat him and coached him to pose as the homeowner in order to collect the insurance money. So they're not very good. Like, he's, like, going to spill the beans, you know? Well, at least they didn't murder him. I know. I mean, that probably was... I'm surprised they didn't murder him. Yeah, it it was probably, like, a possibility. Sante and Kenny moved to New York to start over. (laughs) By this time, though, the FBI... The LAPD and other law enforcement agency, agencies were one step behind them. The FBI works so slowly. They've been on to her since, like, the 70s. Yep. <laughs> and now we're in the 90s, and yep. they're like, damn, we're still behind. It's like, mm-hmm. get they a grip. They are just a like, step behind how? her. Get a grip. <laughs> God damn. You have access to, like, more information Well, they're not leaving did. much evidence. I mean... Okay, she's finding, like, <laughs> shady notaries and people's social, social security numbers. Like, they can do that, no problem. And she's doing it somehow. So, I just feel like they're, you know, more capable than they're letting on. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, who knows what other cases that they're working on at the time. How swamped they are. This woman is setting fire to everything <laughs> and murdering people. Like... Well, How they don't can you know. Be? They don't know yet. They're not. They haven't made the connection of the like, the Cayman Islands guy and. Oh my god. Um, at some point, the Kimeses had learned of a wealthy woman in New York. Oh no. Named Irene Silverman. Irene was a former ballet dancer who was now eighty-two years old and a socialite who owned a $7.7 million Manhattan mansion, and I wish that I had calculated that for today, but I didn't. Fucking millions on millions. Billions. Well, I don't know if it'd be that high, but... (laughs) And Irene, like, I guess she outfitted her huge mansion to have some luxury apartments in it, and so she rented some luxury apartments to... Basically, like stars and the elite, like basically. She who had a mansion it. in New York, and in her, within in her, her mansion, mansion are apartments. She made some luxury apartments. Yeah, people. How could big is this fucking mansion? Well, I don't know where I say it, but uh, there is somewhere written here that they had. Oh, right here. Oh, here we go. The mansion had a rooftop garden and a ballroom modeled after the music room of the. Petit Trianon at Versailles. Oh my god. And that was just like a, p- a bit. Like they had like. Just the rooftop just, garden yeah, and the ballroom. ballroom. They had a ballroom, basically, is what I'm saying. So they had some parties. Mm hmm. She. Jeez, so she rented Christ. to like TV producers, business moguls, Daniel Day Lewis, and Shaka Khan had apartments Ooh, there. Shaka Khan. She charged about $6,000 a month for the apartments. Fuck, in the 90s? (laughs) Yep. And they said that, like, she loved to entertain, so she would, like, provide, like, they would, she would have, you know, her staff, like, cook lavish meals for them. Like, they would all hang out. I would hope that, like, food Mm -hmm. is included Mm -hmm. in that price, because that's insane. Oh, yeah. All kinds of fun stuff. They would have, like, parties and events and, you know, 
all that stuff. Yeah, six thousand dollars. They said that one person said one one of the people that had lived there at one point said like, yeah, like it was funny because she liked she, the way that she acted. It was like she was sharing her home with you, even though you were paying six thousand dollars a month. This bitch. But what? like they said, it was great. Like she was just like constantly like you know she was a socialite. She like loved having people around. She always had people over and like dinners and parties and events and things for people to do and see and talk wow. to and all these like famous people to hang out with and they're like paying her mortgage yeah that's insane and yeah they said like she loved having people over especially after her husband had passed away in 1980 oh, yeah. she just filled her home with people yeah for sure so one day sante called up irene Uh-oh. and posing as eva eva guerrero Asking about renting a room for her boss, Manny Guerin. Sante also... Now she's on to the G's. Yep. <laughs> well, you gotta go through the alphabet. Sante also called a title company inquiring about the deed to Irene's mansion. Ha- okay. She paid for a copy of the deed. Oh. She also contacted the lawyer's title insurance corporation requesting the forms necessary for a property transfer. What the... F- <laughs> What? Oh my god. This is like too easy. What the fuck? So in the How? meantime, in the meantime, uh-huh. Kenny moved in as Manny. And even from the get-go, Irene was kind of suspicious of him. Good. Her hackles were up. She noticed that both Kenny and Sante would hide their faces around the security cameras at the entryway oh. of the house. And um, at one point around the middle of June, Sante called Irene to tell her that that Irene had won a trip to Vegas. <laughs> All she had to do to get her trip was give her sign a paper, give her social security number, so that they could set the trip up for her. Irene was like, "Do you need a social security number to book a hotel? Yeah. What?" And Irene was like, "Um, no." She's like, "I was born yesterday, honey." Yeah, <laughs> idiots. I'm rich. You think people aren't trying to take advantage of me all the fucking time? Then Sante called Irene's accountant, claiming that she wanted to do a long-term lease at Irene's place, but needed her social security number to run a background check on Irene to make sure that she was, like, legit and not going to get screwed over for, like, the $6,000 a month payments. All right, she's flipping the script. I've never heard of... I've never heard of doing a background check on landlords. Yeah, yeah. That might be a good idea, though. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. But the ploy failed, and he refused to give her the number, obviously, because he's like, uh... You don't just give those out. (laughs) Yeah, and this is my wealthy client that's been paying me and keeping me on the books, you know, on, like, no, I'm not just giving you that information. He also wasn't born yesterday. Yes. So, Kenny and Sante can't clone... Well... Cloned her? Cloned her and... (laughs) And moved the clone in. No. Kenny and Sante combed through Manhattan looking for a notary who would sign a deed transfer to them. <laughs> With a, I'm guessing a forged signature. They finally met a notary and Sante posed as Irene and signed the deed over to Sante and Kenny, forging Irene's signature. I just, I mean, like, I know things have worked before, but, like, how does she think this is going to work? She's just like, yeah, well, you gotta shoot for the She's stars. Like, Look, I'm used to wearing wigs. Have like, you I know seen all my about, bouffant? Like, 
the is, makeup to make my skin look lighter. I mean, her bouffant is now three feet high. <laughs> so they'll be so distracted by my hair they yes. won't even think to like well, ask think for that ID. She's royalty because of how high your hair goes. That's right. On July fourth, nineteen ninety eight, Irene had two friends over for dinner. She, as I said, loved to entertain, and because it was like the holiday weekend, she let most of her staff go home. So it was basically her and her two friends, and there was like one staff in the whole house or whatever. But like, her and her two friends were sitting in her vast basement kitchen when... Her basement kitchen? I know. It's a mansion! Okay. Well, I know it could be like a summer kitchen situation where New York gets hot as fuck in the summer, so you need like a cool place to hang out in July. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and I guess there was, like, one of their monitors down there for the closed-circuit security cameras, mm-hmm. and Irene, like, pointed to the camera as as her newest tenant, Manny, had entered, and she was like, watch this, and they all watched as he, like, avoided showing his face on camera, and she was like, I'm really worried about that guy. Why didn't she just kick him out? Well, let me tell you. Oh, okay. Uh, and, like, yeah, it was, of course, of course it was Kenny, or Manny, as he was going by. And she told her friends that she felt that she had made a mistake renting to him. Yeah. And, like, she was usually very thorough during, doing background checks on all her tenants. Mm-hmm. But, like, he had no... I- and he had no ID to provide her when he, like, mm-hmm. signed the lease. But he was like, oh, I'll get it to you really soon. Like, I lost it. It's coming in the mail. Like, I'll get it mm-hmm. to you as soon as I get it. And he handed her the $6,000 in cash. And her friends think that, like... So, Irene was another rags-to-riches story. And they think that because, like, the cash, she was kind of like, okay, well, if you're giving me $6,000 in cash... Yeah, you have $6,000 on hand. Maybe, yeah, like, I'll take that, and then we'll figure it out, and you can give me this stuff. But she, like, kind of regretted doing that. But also, it was kind of weird because most of her tenants or like all her tenants would let the maid come in and clean. I mean, you're paying $6,000. You're expecting to get like some kind of service, right? Yeah. But he never would let the maids into his room. The only person that was ever allowed in his room was an older woman that he said was his personal assistant, Eva Guerrero. Irene actually had asked him to leave after him being there for only a week. Wow. She was uncomfortable, but he refused. So she was like, well, I'm going to kick you out somehow. So she yeah. she turned off the phone service to his apartment, and she instructed her business manager to start the eviction process. Yeah. Because, I mean, unfortunately and fortunately, depending on which way you're going, right. can't really just kick people out. Right. <laughs> um, she unfortunately didn't call the police or file a police report. She was just like, I'm just going to let my business manager handle it. It's gonna get I feel like that's out. probably pretty standard. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, why get the police involved? It's like... Mm-hmm. Her guests left the house around midnight. The next morning, around 11, one of Irene's maids, the, the one that was still on staff for the weekend, um, said that she saw Irene at 11, and Irene gave her a list of errands to run, including walking her dog. So she, like, took the list and was off to run the errands. When the maid returned home in the late afternoon, Irene was gone. Uh-oh. 
She searched all over, couldn't find her, so she called the police, and a detective showed up that evening and inspected the house. He found no signs of struggle or blood or anything that would, like, mm-hmm. you know, any cause for alarm, but they knew that Irene, like, never really left the house. Yeah, I mean, she like, had people she to do everything. To. Yeah. I mean, she had people come to her. She went outside time. She'd go to the rooftop garden. Exactly. So police began questioning current and former employees and her tenants and her friends. They also had to run a name check on Manny Guerin because he conveniently was not there. Mm-hmm. They went up to search his apartment, but it was empty. But one of the staff was able to give a pretty good description for a police sketch. So they sketched it up. Was he, like, did he never, did they, like, never move into the apartment? Is that why they didn't want anyone cleaning it because there was nothing in there? Maybe. That would be a good guess. Uh, yeah, because I can't imagine what he would have moved in. And they're trying to scam this person just to get her shit to sell it most likely. So I doubt that they had anything in there. Right. But then like, yeah, I can't imagine them not, you know, if someone wants to come in clean, it's like, you know, it's suspicious if you're like, no. Mm -hmm. So like, why wouldn't you unless there's something right or nothing in there? Yeah. It took two days for the police to realize that Manny was not a real person. I mean, he was a person, but not Manny. Two whole days. So they published the sketch to the local media mm. in, in their search for Irene. When FBI Supervisory Special Agent Emilio Blase saw, <laughs> saw the report, he immediately called NYPD. He said, the night before, I had arrested two individuals that had in their possession documentation from Irene Silverman. What? These included... What are the chances? I know. These included tax returns, healthcare information, and a property deed. Ooh-ooh. The FBI had been tracking them for months. The police in Florida were looking for them for check fraud and auto theft. The Nevada police were looking for them for arson and insurance fraud. Shit. The Los Angeles police wanted them for questioning in the murder of David Kasdan. And the police in the Bahamas were looking for them in connection with the disappearance of Syed Ahmed. Investigators located a man named Stan Peterson, who confessed to selling Kenny a handgun, which was used to kill David Kasdan. Okay, so all the pieces all of a sudden come together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, they're not very clever of like covering up all their evidence. They think they are, but Stan agreed to help get Kenny and Sante. Uh, or he helped. Uh, sorry, Stan agreed to to help get Kenny and Sante to avoid prosecution. Mm-hmm. So, this is before, like, the poli- the guy arrested them and was like, oh, I just arrested those people. See, and this is why it's, like, confusing because the Vanity Fair article, it goes, like, from, like, yeah, past to prison to past to yeah, prison. Yeah, and I was, like, trying that. to make it so that it was... It makes for a compelling article, right. but it's hard, it's hard to, to piece it, it together. together. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Stan agreed, yeah, Stan agreed to help, and uh, Sante called Stan telling him about an expensive mansion in New York that she wanted his help with the paperwork to sell it. <laughs> She's all right. Okay. Yeah. He agreed. Well, she got the deed papers and stuff. Yeah. What does she need a mansion for? Yeah. She just wants the money. Plus it's going to be suspicious if she's there and it's like Irene's mansion. She's got to get the money and run. Yeah, for sure. 
So he agreed to help her, and he was like, Not that it won't be weird for, like, the people living in the mansion to be like, <laughs> right? what? wait, Irene's yeah. gone, and it's for sale, and, and I have to, like, find you? somewhere else to live, and what's going on now? So he agreed to meet with her on July 5th, and he obviously called up the FBI and was like, Psst, FBI, I'm going to meet them. You better come. And they were like, cool. So they set up surveillance, and he met them at the Hilton Hotel, when when they arrived, the or sorry, he met them at the Hilton Hotel. When the Kimeses arrived, the FBI and local police quickly moved in to arrest them. The Kimeses the year before had stolen a Lincoln Town Car from a Utah dealership using a bounced check. When the police found the car the next day, they searched it and found a box full of evidence. There was a stun gun case forged social security cards, two handguns, a pair of handcuffs, a folder of forms and applications relating to Irene Silverman's mansion, wigs, costumes, a partridge in a pear tree, Mm -hmm. and a set of 15 notebooks in which Sante had written notes of detailed descriptions of mortgage fraud schemes involving many victims like, it, that she had already done? And that she's planning to do. Oh, okay. Including Irene and David. She uh, had also practiced Irene's signature many times. Yeah. Like, fucking burn your notebooks, Okay, wait. Well, I was going to say, like, they stole a car. Yeah. They left all of this in, in the, the car. car. And that was found the next day. So they weren't even trying to, like, hide the stolen car. They thought that they were invincible. With all of their shit in it. Which is, like... Yeah, we did everything. Yeah. What? Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, also so dumb. also in the notebooks were notes on Irene's daily schedule and her social security number. So dumb. <laughs> they also found a bag belonging to Kenny at a hotel that like this hotel called the FBI up and was like, "We have this checked bag for like a Kenneth Kimes here. You want to come get it?" And they were like, "What?" And in the bag there was the deed to Irene's house mm. that appeared to have been signed over to the Kimeses. Okay, so obviously now they're arrested. Uh, Sante's oldest son, Kent, once said that uh, when he was eight years old, Sante would have him crawl through the window of people's homes because he was small and could easily fit, and she would tell him what to steal, and then he would. <gasps> and then he also stated that all the food they ever ate was shoplifted. <sighs> Just a side note. <laughs> Of her wonderful parenting skills of her first. So, yeah, so she, like, finds some millionaire, and he's like, no, cool, like, go, mm-hmm. leave me alone, I'm, I don't want to be your son anymore, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm done stealing for you and shit. Yeah. So, Kenny and Sante were first tried in New York for Irene's murder, even though her body was never found. Oh, poor Irene. I know. Mother and son were tried together, and the jury did not fuck around. They unanimously decided to convict them of murder, as well as 117 other charges, including robbery, burglary, conspiracy, grand larceny, illegal weapons possession, forgery, and eavesdropping. That's a crime. I don't know, I guess. (laughs) I do that all the time. I know, just don't tell anyone. Well, now everyone knows. I tell everyone. Oh, shit. (laughs) I tell everyone. I'm like, did you hear what that person just said? I always, in restaurants and stuff. (gasps) I know. I feel so so bad bad. for whoever I'm like 
on a date with or hanging out with. Because you're always listening. I'm listening to other, to other people. people. <laughs> I know. I okay. I feel so bad, but like. I, it's not like I do anything with the information. I'm just, it's like, just curious it's about interesting. people's lives. Yeah. But we, we went so, to, like, some somewhere to eat, like, one time. And I was, like, yeah, I was kind of, like, just listening to, like, everyone around me. And then, like, at the end of the meal, we, like, go back to the car. And Zachary's, like, so, like, what was going on with that, like, <laughs> that group over there? And I was, like, okay, well, this is what happened. And I, like, filled in all the drama. And then he was, like, oh, my God. Like, so I didn't hear, like, anything. And I was, like, yeah. And then the people over there were talking about this. But I couldn't hear what they were saying. So the people over here were talking about this very loudly. But I wanted to know what they were saying over there. And then I was, like, this is so bad. I need to, like, stop. And the fact that he knew. He didn't say anything while you were in there. He's just, like. No, but he always knows. She's going to give me the story. <laughs> She's not listening to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've like we live together. We've already said everything to each other, so it's kind of like we'll just go out and eat and like enjoy each other's company and, and I'll, other like, people's hear what other people are doing. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I never have to listen. I know you are. I'm like okay, runs in the family because I do the same. It's not like malicious or anything. No, it's I'm fun. I mean, that's like, why I literally one of my favorite hobbies is people watching. I'll just go sit and watch people. Well, it's bad though because I assume everyone does it. So like, we'll be somewhere and I'll be reacting to something that someone else is saying, <laughs> and then no one else reacts to it. And I'm like, and like, did anyone else hear that? Did I? Oh shit! Like I'm, the, I'm the only one. Okay, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> but I'll just like start laughing, just be like, oh my god, that's ridiculous. And then it's like, oh. No, just me? Just okay. you. Well, now it's illegal, no, so it's I'm not just you, it's me too. Stop doing that. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's in New York. Fuck. <laughs> we gotta look up the laws. Maybe it's, like, illegal if you do something with the information. Yeah. That, I don't do anything with it. I'm not doing anything with it. I'm not judging. I'm just, you know, it's just entertaining. Mm-hmm. Don't hate me, because Yeah, it's just entertainment. I mean, we watch movies. We watch like documentaries like about people's lives and yeah, shit. Yeah, like, that's all it is. It's just like they're more boring people that are just having regular conversations and not Well, like, no, my most favorite thing that we've talked about before is sitting in on, <laughs> listening in on first dates oh, yeah, that are awkward. Good. I love a first date. <gasps> that's my date. absolute favorite thing. Oh my God. Remember when we went to drink and draw and listen to, yes. to those first dates? Yes. It so was so good. uncomfortable. And then I do the thing where I picture what they look like yep. and I'm always, always wrong. wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. Always yeah, so far yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Same with podcasts. When I listen to podcasts, yeah. and I like know what people look like, and then yeah. I look at their picture. I'm like, well, like, that, that just ruins it for match me. <laughs> I still gotta picture you how I originally pictured you. Yeah, that you. voice did not come out of that mouth. Yes, I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although sometimes I'm good with like some features, like depending on how their voice tone is, I can kind of picture like how their nose might be, or like oh. their like some basic like mouth shapes, or like interesting. Like how their mouth moves when they talk, based on how they say certain letters. Oh, that's interesting. Well, when you get to my age and you've been eavesdropping as long as <laughs> someday, someday you'll reach that status. Oh my god! <laughs> I usually like, yeah, I'm always like, I'm always wrong with a hair color. I always get hair color wrong. Mm. I don't know why. Yeah, you can't really tell hair color by a no, voice. No, you can't. <laughs> nope. Always, I'm always wrong. Yeah. So during the sentencing phase, Sante made a long, drawn-out speech about how the authorities wronged her and that her lawyers what? her lawyers framed her and framed them. She compared their trial to the Salem witch trials, <laughs> and she claimed that the prosecutors were guilty of murdering the Constitution. Oh, burn! And the judge was like, shut the fuck up and sit down. Yeah, he was. 
the judge then responded by saying that Sante was a sociopath and a de- and a degenerate, and her son was a dupe and a remor- remorseless predator. Wow. Then he sentenced them to 120 years for Sante and 124 <sighs> years for Kenny. Wow. That judge was spot on. He's <laughs> not taking wow. any of their shit. In October of 2000, while doing an interview with Court TV reporter Maria Zone, Kenny held her hostage <gasps> using a ballpoint pen pressed against her throat. He ordered oh my that God. he ordered that he and his mother not be extradited to California, where they could be facing the death penalty for the murder of David Kasdan. Ooh. After four hours of negotiation, Kenny got distracted somehow, and the the authorities were able to tackle him. Ooh. Yeah. In March of 2001, Kenny was extradited. He's just ruining prison for everyone. Now they, like, can't have ballpoint pens. Like, fucking A. Uh, it's all about the felt tip, anyway. Uh, gotta get a felt tip. <laughs> <laughs> In March of 2001, Kenny was extradited to L.A. to stand trial. So it didn't work. Well, no, but (laughs) during the trial, he changed his plea from not guilty to guilty Mm -hmm. and implicated his mother in the murder Mm -hmm. in exchange for a plea deal that his mother and he would not receive the death penalty if convicted. Okay. So he's like, I'll tell you everything, but you you cannot put my mother or me to death. So that's the thing with, like, the death penalty. It's, like, I don't believe in, like, murdering murderers or whatever, but it does seem like it works for some people who are, like, I don't want to be extradited. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything. Just kind give of me thing. A, yeah. Yeah, like, as a threat. Yeah. Um, as Yeah, it's, like, something to hold over you mm-hmm. to be, like, well, you know. Like, but then I guess, sometimes it goes wrong if you're well, innocent and they're, like, yeah, well, no. you better fess up. Otherwise no, that's die. true. That's true. But, but like cases yeah. like this, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, I could see how that worked. Like, cool. But yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, it's icky. So he testified in trial against his mother, exposing every detail about their crimes and detailing how she indoctrinated him into being mm. her accomplice. Yeah. He admitted to killing Irene and dumping her body in New Jersey. Oh. He, I guess, has since tried to help them find the body, but they've never found it. Aww. He admitted to strangling her after his mother shocked her with a stun gun. The poor woman. Fuck. And she knew. And she... <sighs> he also confessed to the murder of Syed Ahmed in 1996 after Syed became suspicious of their financial misdeeds. He's just murdering everyone. He said that they drugged him and drowned him in the bathtub and then dumped his body in the ocean. Oh, no. That, oh, that's an awful way to go. Yeah. Oh. Sante once again went on a rant about how everyone was out to get her and she's innocent. And this judge was like, shut the fuck up and sit down. Yeah, yeah. The judge, the judge called her one of the most evil individuals she has ever met as her time as a judge. They were both sentenced to life in prison. Kenny is currently (sighs) incarcerated at Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in California. Where is that? I have no idea. Probably like LA area. I would assume. And Sante was serving a life sentence plus 125 years at the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women in New York. 
but she died on May 19th of 2014. Wow, I did not know that story. So this story goes out to you, mom, Mo mother and son duo. Let's go, Happy mom. Mother's Come Day. on. <laughs> New ga game change. Let's, uh, let's plan some. Uh. <laughs> yeah, because clearly she had control over every aspect of your life. And you yeah, were, like, she was always telling me who I could and couldn't be friends with and taking me out of school. Making all your friends take IQ tests before yeah. they dumped you down. She did tell all my friends' parents that I am a genius. Yes. And that she doesn't want any non-geniuses muddling my beautiful That's right. mind. That's why they had to give her their uh, <laughs> social security numbers and yes. bank account numbers so she could make yes. sure they had enough money in the bank account right. and that they Well, we don't want criminals. poor, dumb people. We want right. rich, smart people. Right, right, right. So. God. I felt like very, like, you know, like this is basically like the story of me and my mom. That's right. Love you, mom. <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> That's just, oh, this one's like one of those where like obviously she fucked her kid up so yeah. badly. Like, but then it's like, how would he have been without? Well, you saw, I mean, when allegedly when he would, when she was gone for those four years. But I just feel like if he's capable of like, you know how she was just kind of like a rotten apple, you know, like from the beginning, she was just kind of evil. So you think maybe he had it in his blood? I don't know. And then those like little, the switches got turned on because he was like, you know, around his mom all the time. He was like, you know. And I mean, I think at I some point when like he finally got away from his mom and he was like, oh, this is how I can live. This is great. And then when she came back and was able to still control everything, yeah. even though he's like a high schooler and like you know, almost an adult, and yeah. she, like, switched everything over that maybe he just kind of, like, gave up. And it was, like, the defeat maybe. of, like, well, she's always going to be controlling my life, but so I have the nowhere other else thing, to go. So the other thing I think, like, I know that children are, like, super resilient. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she was indoctrinating him from such a young age, mm -hmm. like, so intensely, I just find it so bizarre that he was able to like when she was gone he was able to like flourish well here's the other thing yeah kent the oldest son mm -hmm. he like i in the documentary he talked like and he seems like he lives a very normal life he never like and she was pushing him into homes as an eight-year-old being like steal this steal that and like we're gonna do this and teaching him how to shoplift and That's like crazy. all this stuff but like yeah he, children and, are amazing and he said like he's like oh. you know my mother like i never wanted for anything my mother always found a way to give me whatever i wanted and like yeah. Even though it's weird, I always thought she was, like, a good mother to me, but, like, I didn't go the mm. same route that Kenny did, And but I don't know if, yeah. what the difference is. Yeah. Like, he was able to be left alone after, like, he graduated high school or whatever, and she left him yeah. to do his thing and live his life, and then... Well, yeah, and had she never gotten re into Kenny's life, obviously he would be murdering, you know? Well, I don't think he'd be murdering. No, I don't think so. He might be shoplifting or, like, Maybe. doing petty crimes because he's used to it, but, like, mm. I don't think that he would have murdered. I think every time he did anything like that, it was her being like, you have to do this. Yeah. Oh, that's And she awful. would, like, provide him with, like, oh, here's the guy you're going to go buy the gun from. Here's where you're going to go meet that guy. I'm setting up, like, you know, a meeting. I just feel like being able to, like, strangle, like, an 82-year-old yeah. sweetheart. I'm yeah. guessing she was, like, probably a pretty petite woman if she was, like, a ballerina. Uh, not no, she wasn't? She was. Uh, well, oh. I didn't. I don't think so. Okay. She wasn't, like, obese, but she was just, like, a, a fluffy old woman. Okay. Yeah. With, like, I big mean, glasses and, yeah. like, just an Irene. 
Just like a classic. A classic with New like New York. Yeah, with like all the get up, like the you know the like fancy all clothes and like yeah. all the like gems oh, and jewels. And I mean, like, to strangle an eighty-two-year-old woman. It's just she like, seemed like a really fun, you know, just like eccentric sweet lady. Too. Yeah, who just wanted to have a good time, and yeah. she was eighty-two. Yeah. Like I don't know how much longer oh, she had, and really? she was just living it out and like living it up. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. A tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components, the person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind, they're all kinds of mixed up, there's no focus, they're disorganized. That was horrible. So, yeah, I think, um... Mmm... Yeah. Because it happened at such a young age, I want, I don't know, I want to say that she had some kind of scrambled egg in her mind, but I think it was I just like, I think it was just being a like sociopath. Narcissist with... I, yeah, I think she was just like a, like a psychopath. I think that she didn't... Obviously had no regard for other human she beings. Yeah. She abused her sister. It was her... And animals yeah, at and a it young was, age. And her, and her husband's sister. And it yeah. was all about... Yeah, what she could get, and she didn't want to be poor ever again, so she was, like, desperately trying to never have that happen again by, like, acquiring as much wealth as she could in any way that she could. Well, it's all a game, right? Like, if you don't have empathy for other people and you don't make connections with other people, then it's like, well, it's all a game, and if you're duped, then that's your fault. You should have been smarter. You should have had an IQ like my son's. You should have. Mm. You should have hung out with the poor dummies. Yeah, yeah, you did yourself a disservice there. Uh, I mean, who knows what happened in her childhood for her to not develop empathy, but, like, if her siblings did, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It just... She was just evil. She was. Yeah. She was just evil. I don't know if it scrambled or tossed or what, but she was just straight up evil. Yep, I think the ju- both judges had it right. Yeah. She's a sociopath right and one of the it. most evil women they've ever met. And even, like, bef- up until her death, she would, like, you know, do as many interviews as she could and, like, all these, you know... To claim her things, innocence. Always being like, I was framed, I'm innocent, all I shouldn't be cries. in here, I am, like, a delightful woman, and, and you have a I don't rap know sheet what. that's, like, longer than... You know what? They're out to get me. It's a Salem witch trials. They're setting uh. me up because I'm a wealthy woman, and they just don't want to have... They don't want that. They want to take away all of my riches... And she, I mean... Was her son remorseful? I don't think so. Mm. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah. I. He may have been scrambled. I don't know. I mean, I think she scrambled him a bit. Yeah. I. It's just so controlling. From, like, from birth, she was basically showing him how to, like... I know. Fuck people over and how to... Just, and isolating him. Like, extreme yes, isolation. Which is abuse. So you're just, like, yeah. building him up. I just... Oh, and like so that disgusting. And, like, the only real word is mine. Mm. Like, you only listen to your mother. You only do anything that your mother says. Anyone else of authority is not right, and you will never listen to them. You will only listen to me. I'm sure she punished him for listening to other people. 
So it's like you learn that, and obviously with That's like with so... the maids that she abused, and like yeah. her sister that she abused, and her sister-in-law that she abused. Below like you. obviously she's it's not, it's not, not in her realm and not in her wheelhouse to like beat the shit out of you if you're not doing what she thinks you should be doing. Well, or like you know abuse abuse you and like punish you in psychological ways. Yeah, you know. Like, for a little kid, you just want to please your parents, yeah. and then it's easy to manipulate children. Yeah. But... Especially if you're controlling every interaction they ever have. That's why I just feel like it's so bizarre that he was able to come off as so, like, well-adjusted when she was gone. I but, just think that's so weird. Like, how did he develop those skills? I mean, I think part of it is because he's, like, he was, like, 11 to, like, 15 or something, when she was gone and like during that time we're all kind of scrambled we're all just kind of like running around trying to figure shit out and like i mean i think he was like finally just so excited to be able to have friends and make friends and like join clubs and play sports and do that that i think he was able to like distract himself with the possibilities of like i guess maybe it was like good timing but yeah and like his dad like you know worked less so that he could be home with him and like doted on him and built him a pool and they probably like it was probably just, like, so much stimulation and so many things going on and, like, events and parties and hanging out and joining a sports team and doing all this stuff that he didn't have time to, like, think about all that stuff. It was just having fun and living as a kid. Yeah, I guess so. Ugh, that was awful. Yeah, I think it's it's rare that you hear of a mother-son duo. You're, like, all proud of this in I'm a weird really way. I'm <laughs> to I'm really proud I that... I don't get it. Um, no, I just thought that it was interesting because I don't know... I really don't know when I've ever run across, like, a mother-son or a daughter-mother or a da- daughter-father duo that, like, you know, worked together and, like, pulled off a bunch of horrible shit. Interesting. Do you? Have... I don't know. I'm gonna, like, look into that now. That's curious. Yeah. I just think it's kind of... Unique and special. I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like well, toeing the line here. Unfortunately, my mother never pushed me into windows as an eight year old and taught me how to steal, so. <laughs> no, I just got scolded for stealing as a child. You stole? Yeah. <gasps> What'd you steal? One time. Yeah. Do you remember Kitty Corral? Yeah. So, Kitty Corral was this store. That they sold school uniforms yes. and like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and campfire. It was, bleak uni- in there. It was basically uniforms for children. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I did not enjoy that. Well, they had this basket that had patches for uh-huh. for campfire or Girl Scouts or something, <gasps> and I pocketed a few. <gasps> and then we were at Grandma's. Were you house. in campfire? Yeah. And so the, you knew what they were. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> And then we were at Grandma and Grandpa's house, and they fell out of my pocket, <gasps> and Mom was like, what's, know this. what's this? And I was like, what? <sighs> Nothing. And then she was like, where did you get those? She's not going to remember this either, but I remember it because it was traumatic for me. Yeah. And then she was like, we're calling up Kitty Corral right now, <gasps> and you're going to like apologize to them, and then we're going to bring them back in the morning. So we had to call up Kitty Corral at Grandma and Grandpa's <laughs> house, and I had to tell them that I stole some patches. I was probably like six or seven, and then 
yeah, the next day we had to go back and I had to bring the patches in shame <gasps> and take them to the counter. What happened? Nothing. They were just like, okay, thanks. <laughs> but I was humiliated. Yeah. Never did that again. I can't believe you tried to cheat campfire. <laughs> We're going to show up with like all these yeah. patches on your vest <laughs> and everyone's just going to be like, oh yeah. Because it's not like, you know, a group of six people. Yeah. Like, wait, where were we all when you got yeah. that like professional fire building patch? Or like, I don't even remember what they were. I just thought they were cool. <laughs> The parents in the group were like, I don't remember okaying this. I mean, I still have an affinity for patches, but. But you I haven't never stolen, stolen one them. Since. <laughs> I did not know that. How did you not know? I never stole. See, and mom could have been like, ooh, See? you're a little thief. Let's thief other things. Yeah, she could have been like, whoa, you were good at that. You were so good. I didn't even know we were there together. Except for you would have gotten punished for letting them fall out of your pocket. That was That a big was no-no. bad. But at least it was at grandma and grandpa's. It wasn't in public. That's true. Yeah, I remember there. It was there was like some kind of like playhouse or something in there. So I took the patches inside the playhouse <gasps> to put them in my pocket. <gasps> <laughs> and I think I was wearing my school my school uniform. Uh oh! <laughs> You're not supposed to do bad things in your school uniform. <sighs> the starched pants that were yeah. so uncomfortable. Crunchy. Oh, I hated those. Yep. So. <laughs> that was my career as a thief. Wow, I didn't even have one. I must have learned from your embarrassment. You probably did. I'm sure you were there. I'm sure I was. And I was just like, <gasps> I'm never doing it. My brother's that. a thief! <laughs> you better do ten Hail Marys and an Our Father. We're going to church right now. <laughs> Luckily, that didn't happen. I didn't have to do that. I just had to uh, call up Kitty Corral. Well, yeah, which is mom was such a like creepy name for a children's well, store. Well, you're corralling children yeah. by putting them in a uniform That's so true. you know how to corral them That's according true. to pant color. <laughs> <laughs> Polo color. Yeah. Uh, I bet you 10 bucks mom is like, I don't remember that at all. What if she did and she was like really afraid that you were going to turn out to be like a sociopath? Well, we could have been a duo, a dynamic duo, <laughs> going from state to state, burning houses down and collecting money. Yes, mom is such like a cold hearted you know criminal. Mom is always trying to like figure out ways for me to like make money and yeah, get a job. Right. And you know, she really missed the mark on that one. We yeah. could have been billionaires at get this point. Get rich quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Kenny was like 23 when he got caught, so. I mean, she could have been marrying for money this whole time. Mom. Get some wigs. Mom. Get some bouffants. Take some notes. Get some wigs. Bouffants. <laughs> the higher the wig, the closer you are to Jesus, That's people respect right. you. Right. Mm hmm. That's right. So. Well, on that note, <laughs> if you want to take care of your bouffant, and if you support a mother-son dynamic, mm -hmm. Humblebee Herbal is a family business, family-owned and run, and they make shampoo bars, which make your hair amazing. Yeah, you don't even really need to use any conditioner. The The oils and stuff that they use in the shampoo bar are great for moisturizing your hair. And they'll cleanse your it, scalp, and they'll moisturize your hair. And leave and it fresh it, and clean. They'll smell amazing. There are three different kinds. There's a tea tree one, which is like amazing for your scalp. Then there's one with sage and rosemary, which is great for your hair, especially if you have dark hair. And there's a chamomile one that has lavender, and it's just lovely. They're, and they're all specially formulated to use on your scalp and your hair to make it a luxurious experience and sign up now for their newsletters to get discounts and updates on product releases because they have pro new products coming in like all the time but they sell out quickly because everything's small batch and 
they have great stuff. So check them out. Use promo code CRIMINY20 to get 20% off your first order. And sign up for their newsletter because then you get discounts like all year round. Yeah. That's humble, be herbal, be as in the buzz. The bumbling kind. <laughs> dot com. That's humblebeeherbal.com. Check them out and get 20% off your first order. Okay. Should goodbye. we do mine? Oh, not goodbye. Hello. Oh, no. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. So I'm we're done. done. <laughs> this is over. Okay. So I, when I did my witch of Yorkshire or whatever she was. Which I loved that one. Yeah. So I found like all these old timey books Ooh. about like women back in the day that were like scandalous women. Scandalous. So I like saved Which, them. Scandalous women back in the day were just like, they had their own opinion. Right. <laughs> So I saved them, and then I, like, looked at some of them, and then some of them were, like, you know, mm-hmm. murdered, and so on, okay. but then this one, I was like, oh, this oh. is fun, so I chose this one. So I got my information from headstuff.org, sorry, mm. uh, Britannica.com, and the theannalsofcrime.com. The annals of crime. No, it's two N's. Damn. <laughs> Okay, Mary Frith was born sometime in the eighteen or in the fifteen eighties. Holy f- old time. Some people say fifteen eighty four, but you know, old stories, questionable dates, yeah, you never yeah. know. Some people are like, we know, and it's like you we don't, don't know. fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know Mary. So this, so this is like some of it's you know rumor because she was kind of like uh, be, she became kind of uh, also like a cult classic, but she became kind of like a infamous like. Like a care, like yeah. So some of this is like, did it just add to our story, or is it real? Okay, so people were just like we adding know. on, like, oh, did you hear? Yeah, I yeah, heard. yeah, yeah. So she came from a relatively respectable background. Her father was a cobbler, and she had an uncle who was a church dude of some kind. I just want to say corn on the cobbler. Mm, or a shoemaker in case. A shoemaker. You know. He was not an elven shoemaker though. Oh. Like that story. They did make good shoes, those elves. I loved that little teeny book that we had, the little teeny <laughs> elf pictures, yeah. and that was cute. Okay. So most of the facts of the story are going to come from court records. So oh. those are the facts. Okay. Then the rest is like embellishment, sure. so we don't know. Uh, the first court record for Mary came in 1600 or 1602. She was prosecuted for stealing either two shillings or multiple purses. And they call purses, so I, purses are like, some sometimes they like t- refer to like pockets like as mm. purses, and sometimes they refer to like actual purses as purses, so purses is just kind of like where you hold your money. Yeah, I kind of think, and I don't, I don't know why I think this, but I for some reason in my mind, a purse back then is more like a little like satchel, like a little um, yeah. drawstring like kind of bag. like tie on your belt or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or put in your pocket, or... Like, more like a coin purse type thing. Yeah. So... So she gets prosecuted for this, but then her uncle somehow is able to get her released, and they're thinking maybe because he's, like, a church guy, and... He must have had a good bouffant. He had the great bouffant, and (laughs) he had, like, the big old cross that he was wearing, and they're like, (laughs) we gotta trust this guy. Mm Mm-hmm. He talks to Jesus. And then... They said, it said that, one article said that after her parents died, her family was just kind of like, we don't know what to do with her. This woman's out of control. So oh. they, they said that she had like unfeminine behavior. Ew, uh, yucky. And I read that when she was little, she like always wanted to play with the boys. And if they gave her like something to sew or, you know, like girl 
activities. Mm -hmm. She'd like try it and then like throw it and like go outside. She's like, fuck this. So she sounds like a normal person yeah, so far. Yeah, she is a normal person. And she was, since she was unfeminine, they, they were like, okay, we're going to ship her off to the American colonies for a fresh start because the guys over there like need ladies. Ew. Because... You know, wow. Give her a fresh feminization start. We're going to go marry her off. We're going to traffic her, basically, mm -hmm. to get her out of our hair. And they're like, she's going to have no trouble finding a husband because obviously the dudes they're are thirsty over there and she'll settle down and it'll all be good. So oh they like God. lure her, her to the dock in, 19, in 1609. It's like a candy on a string. Like, no, oh. they're like, hey, come down to the dock. There's a wrestling match happening. What? And she's like, yeah, fuck fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna, so far. She's like, I'm bring some money. I'm gonna like bet on this fucking <laughs> yeah. this wrestling match. Like this is gonna be great. So then they like get to the dock, and then they tricked her into getting on the ship that was headed towards North America. Oh, the match is on the ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, okay, so there are two stories of what happened after she's on the ship. One story is that she negotiated a ride back to shore with the money that she brought to bet on the wrestling match she's like please just give me a ride back the other one which i think is like way more badass is she jumped overboard while the ship was in harbor and just swam ashore and she's like fuck this damn so either way she made it back to shore and then she was like fuck my family i'm gonna find my own way i'm like, just imagining well i mean i don't really know like what her wealth level is or anything but if she's jumping overboard and i'm assuming a dress yeah i would assume so that's a lot of fabric to swim in but yeah even more badass if that's true yeah well she was badass so she probably like stripped some of it off and just like went in in her bloomers yeah <laughs> you'll hear she's a scandalous lady okay so the way that she was going to make her way was through crime yeah, she yeah. joined a gang of pickpockets okay. who preyed on people in the area of St. Paul's Cathedral in London. So, like, uh, what was that? Oliver Twist? She's hanging out with all those yeah. kids. So, I guess pickpocketing was pretty common among teenagers in London around yeah, that time. I like, mean, that was their profession to yeah. pickpocket. Yeah. And Mary originally started out as a whipster, which is... Uh, one of the skilled pickpocketers who actually like committed the like actually stole the it's like a whip the just purse like in and out just whoosh. yeah yeah like a whip mm. and then they would have like a mark and then the mark was distracted by someone called the bulk <laughs> and then she would be the whipster who would go mm. in and steal while they're distracted and then they'd hand it off to someone named the rub plus they're probably a little bit less apprehensive about like a young woman or young girl well, wait, I'll, we'll coming get towards this. them than like a grungy boy well she was i mean she was pretty i mean grungy you'll too, hear she was yeah. pretty grungy okay so, <laughs> so mary soon earned the nickname mall cut purse because a cut purse is someone who pickpockets, because they uh, used to just cut, cut the purse, purse or the pocket off the victim. And then Maul, obviously, is short for Mary, like Molly, but Maul. Maul and Maul purse. was also a word that was used to describe a rough and tumble woman. So it worked Whoa. on many levels. Oh, I like that. So I'm going to refer to her as Maul from now on. Maul cut purse. So Maul was super skillful at pickpocketing. And one day she bragged that she cut the purses of more than 50 victims. Whoa, in a day? In a day. Damn. In a day. She was all She's got to keep life. her shears sharp. That's right. Mm -hmm. So from all this, obviously, she became rich because she was really good. <laughs> like, really good. She was caught stealing a few times. 
and she did go to jail. She, they also, what they would do is they would like burn the back of your hand because it's supposed to like brand you to ensure that you can't plead. I guess they would like plead the benefit of the clergy so they would get like clemency from a death sentence by reciting a Bible passage, Mm. which made me think of like high school to get out of detention. You had like write your uniform code or whatever, but it's kind of like... Well, it reminds me of just, like, when you go to confession in Catholic Church, they're like, you're like, I murdered someone, and they're like, okay, my child, just say ten Our Fathers and three Hail Marys, and God will forgive you. Yeah, the church is like, okay, you can recite the Bible, you're you're clean, you're Mm. good. So she apparently had the back of her hand burned four times. Oh. Yeah. Jesus. Well, obviously it's not deterring her. Well, they're thinking that maybe it was like partially because of her gender that they kept giving her like clemency and they kept like letting her go. Cause like, oh, she's just a lady. She's just a lady caught up in a bad, bad boys. Yeah, yeah. Mm. See, she should have been hanging out with the high IQ people. That's right. She wouldn't have gone down a bad path because you got to stick with the uh, genius people, not to muddle your brain. <laughs> Ma- okay, so Maul is like a character. So she, at this time, she kind of gets like a little celebrity because she becomes known publicly for her comedic musical performances in taverns. <laughs> Sick. She would sing and dance and play her lute oh, without a her. license. Uh-oh. You have to have a loot license? I think so. (laughs) And she also got into the habit of wearing male clothing. Okay. Which was also against the law. love that. I love her so far. Yeah. No, she's great. (laughs) No, she's great. She would smoke a man's pipe. Yeah. Which was also... Oh, yeah. So the male clothing thing is a crime. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, people weren't really prosecuted very much for it. As long as they weren't, like, super public about it. Right. But she, yeah, she was, She's like, going and illegally she playing go, that loot. And she would perform, and she was, like, drinking with all the dudes and dressing up like a man and smoking her tobacco pipe. God. And then there's, like, one story that someone put uh, gunpowder in her pipe one time, and she lit it, and it, like... And she, like, thought oh, it was so funny. And, like, she was like, oh, my God, you guys are so clever. That was great. And she was just, like, a real... I love her. So far, person. she sounds like a D&D character. <laughs> she... She is a character. She is not so. Then she moved her act into tobacco shops and playhouses. Like she's getting real, she's getting real known around town. I love it that they all know like where she gets her wealth from, but they're like, oh, mall. Well, she's just hanging out at, like with other rapscallions, you know, like at taverns and shit. Oh, okay. And they're just like, this is the entertaining for us all. Yeah. There is this uh, historian named Gustav Unger, and he said that her cross-dressing was used as a way to distract people for pickpocketing purposes. Pickpockets. Pickpockets. Often operated. Pockets. They often operated in busy places like playhouses, where she was like mm-hmm. putting on her shows, and uh, mall performing and singing songs and doing jigs and smoking her tobacco pipe, that would have, like, been a really good distraction yeah. while her accomplices went and They're took like, all look the Look at money. this woman in a pants. Yeah, in look a, at her. In a, in a pants. She's, like, putting on a show. She's legally she's playing like, a lute, wearing pants, smoking a pipe. 
but Maul was often described in not so flattering terms. They said that she was like very, her face was like very masculine. They said that she was like not an attractive woman oh, at all. Geez. And I guess during like the criminal class of people were a lot, they were like sexually active, but she was like not, she had a reputation for not being like super sexually active, <laughs> which is like, what? okay. And they say that it was because she like wasn't attractive and it's just no like, No one wanted okay. to be active with her. Yeah, I guess so. That sucks, she sounds hot. So <laughs> she became well known for her male attire in defiance of the law. And in 1605, she leaped on the stage of London's Fortune Theater, dressed of course as a man and puffing on her pipe. And she loudly sang songs and strummed her lute. She regaled the crowd with these levacious stories. And she was just like, had them all going until Watchmen came and they put her under arrest. Oh, God. The charge was that of a female wearing the clothing of a man. What about, like, the men in, like, Shakespearean plays dressing well, as women? that was okay, because that was, like, for plays. And it was men. And it was men. Yeah, it's fucked up. And she was fined and released. On another occasion, she was offered a bet by William Banks, this, uh, this like, well-known guy. He was famous for a horse of his. <laughs> his horse was Morocco. It was, like, M-A, Morocco. Mm -hmm. Morocco was a performing horse who Banks had trained to perform a huge number of tricks on command, like walking on two or three legs, <laughs> urinating on command. Love it. Counting items uh. and more. Fun. He also was a master showman and a publicist, not the horse, the dude. <laughs> <laughs> a publicist. So he offered Maul a bet that she she was going to ride across London dressed, dressed as a man on the horse Morocco. Okay. I think he was like, the bet was that she could make it all the way from like one end without of town to another arrested. end. Yeah, without, yeah. So, at first, everything went well. She carried a banner and a well, trumpet. Shit, but could you imagine you're, like, on a horse, and then, like, someone comes up to arrest you, and you just command it to pee on them? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be sick. Like, run away on two legs. Let's go. <laughs> she carried a banner and a trumpet to give her ride a dramatic flair, because she's, like, dramatic. Uh, yeah. And I guess she, like, caused a riot in the streets. <laughs> sick. After the riot was going on, someone recognizes her, and it's, like, an enemy, and the enemy gets the crowd to, like, turn against her. What? So it gets, like, shit gets real, real fast. So they're all trying to, like, pull her from the horse, and other people oh are, like, God. cheering her on. Oh so it's, God. like, this, like, huge riot happening all over her riding this horse. The whole thing ended with her galloping away. They said it in an undignified manner, so. She did win the bet, though, and Banks got his publicity, too, from the horse situation. And he ended up taking Morocco on a European tour. And I got, I guess, Banks was almost burned as a witch twice on this European tour. Whoa. <laughs> Probably because he, like, his horse could do crazy things. I don't know. Yeah, you're a witch. But then before he returned to England, he got a bunch of high-paying jobs training horses for aristocrats, and he got pretty rich from that. Also, isn't a witch female? Isn't a warlock a male witch? I mean, technically maybe, but I think in those days they're just they're all yelling witch. witch. <laughs> That's true. Okay, yeah. So since he like ended up being pretty rich later on in life, he may have been one of those people who made sure that Maul wasn't 
arrested for like long periods of time like he may have been intervening when she got arrested for like dressing up like a man because he's like this woman set. is badass and uh she fits in with my act <laughs> yeah yeah she's a character so in 1610 Maul became a celebrity officially Whoa. she was a character in a book called this is all spelled in old english so mm -hmm. it's like that's the mad pranks of Mary Mall of the Bankside with her walks in man's apparel and to what purpose? Okay. That's the book. <laughs> that, we need an editor. We need someone to sit down and... Well, it's the like, mad, M-A-D-D-E, pranks, P-R-A-N-C-K-E-S. Okay. Of Mary Mall. We, okay. Shorter, more to the point... Something more succinct. I love it. And to what purpose? And to what purpose? <laughs> Walks in men's apparel. And to what purpose? So this book was written by the playwright John Day. Day was described by contemporaries as a rogue. Fun. And may have even been arrested for murder the year before he wrote this. Fun. Man, all these fun people. I know. Sadly, the play didn't survive. Oh. We do still have the second play that Maul appeared in, though, which came out the following year, and it was called The Roaring Girl by Thomas Middleton and Thomas Decker. Hmm. In it, a young man, aware that his beloved Mary, not Maul, but a different mm -hmm. Mary, won't be accepted by his father. They're all named Mary. I know. So he, they're both Thomas, too. Oh, God. <laughs> so he tricks him into thinking that he plans to elope with Maul, because Maul, you know is like out of control mm -hmm. so maul plays along and then the the dad is like oh my god like you cannot marry this woman she's crazy and then the son is like oh actually i'm gonna marry this other person and then the father's like oh thank god yes you have my blessing like marry. <laughs> yeah, that's marry. a good bait and switch <laughs> and then maul at the end she's like she declares that she would never marry but she like plays herself this whole play is written like basically for her and she like plays herself and and they're like, look at this loon woman. No one's going to marry her because she's mannish. She's, yeah. They're like, God, she plays but a loot without a license. But she's fine because she, she doesn't care. She never wants to marry anyway. She's doing her own thing. <laughs> this play was performed at the Fortune Theater, which I stated before this theater was known in town. Mm -hmm. Mall also may have performed an afterpiece on at least one occasion after this play by her own testimony. According to the court records, she played upon her lute and sang a song, as well as made some other immodest and levacious speeches while <laughs> in man's apparel. God, I love her. The play has generated enough interest that Maul got a show at the Fortune Playhouse. Wow. Which was, like, super rowdy. The theater was, like, a rowdy place. So she wore men's clothing and told stories, played her lute, and argued with the audience. <laughs> This may have been the first time that a woman appeared on stage in an English theater. Wow. So even when she played herself, like, the other people were probably dudes, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the this public appearance is what finally saw Maul brought up on charges for her cross-dressing. Oh, God. She was arrested in April of 1611 and was sent to Bridewell Corrections House for a few months. In October of 1612, the performance of After Pieces was banned throughout England, Fortune being named as the site of lewd songs and dances liable <laughs> to attract cut purses and to disturb the peace. 
So because of her and her after piece, they're like, no more of this. This wow. is out of control. Even though she's performing. Yeah. And people are, like, paying to come see her. Well, the theater was way too rowdy, and people were getting robbed, like, all the and time. And they were getting the wrong <laughs> idea about, like, women being able to wear pants. And perform so, on stage. And illegally loot. Uh-huh. Well, loot and loot. Yeah. Loot and play the loot. Loot and loot, both illegal. Right. Unlicensed looting. On both terms. That's right. <laughs> both spellings. Uh-huh. She was arrested once more in December and sent back to Bridewell, having been taken arrested in Powell's Church in the center aisle of St. Paul's Cathedral with her petticoat tucked up about her in the fashion of a man, according well, to the court records. When men wear their petticoats tucked up, it's very becoming. But when women do it, it's disgusting. She was creative. She made some pants out of a skirt. Yeah, like, she's what? badass. I know. So the bishop of London examined her. Oh, God. And she gave a confession on January 27th, yes. 1612. I do like to wear pants. Yes. She admitted to <laughs> flaunting her male attire, <laughs> blaspheming and swearing, wow. being a drunkard, and keeping lewd and dissolute company, including cut purses. Well, fuck. She's I, like, I, yeah, Jesus. yeah. If I was alive during that time, I would be in prison for sure. Yeah. She's like, I dress like a dude, sure. I blaspheme, I swear, I am a drunkard, and I have, like, illegal... I have friends that like to friends. do things. You know what? She sounds like a good time. Yeah, she does. Good time mall. Her interrogators pressed her to admit to being a prostitute mm-hmm. or a sex worker. Sorry, this is, like, old... A sex worker, and to encourage other women into the same profession, but she denied both charges. Uh, yeah. So apparently, I guess sex she's workers. She's like, first of all, I'm making way more money playing my lute and like wearing and pants. And I'm like asexual, basically. And like, I'm having a no, great time. I'm not do- like what? Yeah. Well, apparently, back in those days, sex workers would often dress as men to kind of like get under the radar of, like, police or whatever. It's like you're interacting with dudes, and it's like, oh, it's just two dudes talking. Like, just, like, wearing... I'm just imagining them wearing, like, a mustache. Yeah. Like, no, it's not business. <laughs> like a hat and a mustache. Like, the cops come around, the and they're just like, yes, yes, um, the banks and money and business, and then the cops walk away, and they're like, so, you want to go around the corner? Yeah. And, like, peel the mustache back? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, she's like, no, no, I, I will admit to other things, but I won't admit to what I'm not doing. Hmm. After this, she was condemned to do public penance, standing in a white sheet at St. Paul's Cross on a Sunday, while a sermon inspired by her crimes was given to the crowd. Wow. On February 12th, 1612, she put on a great show of penance. I'm sure. Penitence. She Uh, was weeping. She uh, was remorseful. uh, She was also extremely drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll help. She was drunk on sack, which is a sweet fortified white wine, Mm -hmm. which probably helped her a bit with the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the groveling and the crying. Although she sounds like she's a great performer. She is. She puts on a good Mm -hmm. show. By 1614, Maul had established a brokerage of stolen goods. Shit, I'd have my purse cut to see her. Based in her house on the north side of Fleet Street. So thieves, because she knew like all the thieves basically, they would bring their stuff that they stole to her and she would pay them for them. And then those who had been robbed, instead of going to the police who would just kind of be like, well, I don't know what to do, 
they would go to see her because she was so well known that they would either go to see her or she would track them down and then they would pay to have their stuff back. So people are stealing shit, giving it to her, yep. and then other people are coming like, have you seen my stuff? And yep. she's like, yep, give me a fee. And they're like, great, we love you. You're giving our stuff back. Yep. Oh, she's genius. This is her business. Yeah. God, yeah. and I'm sure like all the other, the all the other ruffians like look up to her and they're like, this bitch is badass. She is like She knows everyone. She's cool as fuck. She knows yeah. how to... Yeah. She's lots of fun. She's so much fun. <laughs> Have you seen her pants? So obviously, like I said, going to the police or going to the courts would be like a long process. Mm. And everyone knew her reputation was huge. Everyone knew about her. So they're like, look, I know where my stuff is. I'm just going to go see Mall, and she's mm. going to give it back. Mm. Local authorities permitted this to happen. Oh. They even would bring criminals to Mall to be interrogated. What? Because uh, as a woman acquainted with a number of local thieves, she was all useful for them mm-hmm. on both sides of the law. Okay. So she would kind of like mediate between. They'd be like, okay, we think this is like a criminal or whatever. And Mal would be like, well, let me talk to them and we'll see. Like we can maybe work something out. On one occasion, Mal was engaged by a young gentleman named Henry Killingrew who had been robbed following a business engagement with a sex worker the night before. Hmm. The sex worker was like, she was like pulling up his trousers and she was getting stuff out of his pockets. <laughs> don't mind if I do. One of the, two of the things that were stolen were his watch and a gold seal ring. From a chance remark made by the sex worker to Maul, because Maul knew like everyone, mm-hmm. Maul was able to identify her as Mary Dell, another Mary, and the pair confronted her in her house before having her arrested. Mary was married, and her husband complained, he like laid a complaint against them, accusing them of barging into his house and threatening the pair with no evidence, and the verdict was not recorded like what happened, but the fact that he like came to Maul and was like, dude... Or no, she like heard about it, and then yeah, he came to her, and then she's like, "Oh, I know where your stuff is. Let's go get it." I'm somewhat now disappointed in Mall because now she's just like turning it. She's being a snitch. No, she's trying to like work shit out. Where it's like she's, I think she's trying to keep the peace amongst everyone, and she's like, "Look, bitch, if you're like bragging about stealing <laughs> stuff, you're gonna have to give it back because you need to keep your mouth oh, okay, shut. If you okay. steal something." I thought that she was. I like- mean, that's my interpretation. Besides, she's trying to hold up her reputation. It's like, okay, if you want something back, come to me. I'll get it back for you. Okay. She's got a business to run. Yeah, that's true. On March 23rd, 1614, Maul married Lucnor Markham. What a name. He was the son of a prolific author and playwright named Gervais Markham, whose best-known work was called The English Housewife, but it's H-U-S dash wife. Housewife. Housewife. In 1615, which was the guide to being a model woman. Oh, no. And his son marries Maul. Yikes. Well, that makes sense, though. He's like, I'm going to go. I'm rebelling. I'm not going to do what you say, Dad. The Well, and the guy, the, the, the playwright, or the author, or whatever, the father, he was a friend of William Banks, the horse dude. Mm-hmm. So... He may have, like, set it up, and it's not really clear how serious the, re- the relationship was because he kind of, like, disappeared. They, like, got married, and then he just kind of, like, faded out of her life. Okay. He wasn't <laughs> mentioned in her will, and the, they probably never even lived together. So how was the point of the marriage, then? I think that because 
as a married woman, it like elevated her status. status. Okay. Yeah. So no one really knows how, like in a court case later on, they're like, oh, Maul, like how long have you been married? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> she's like, can't remember how long they've even, she's even like, been oh, married. She's like, oh, shoot, I got married. That's she's like, right. oh, that happened? Damn. Oh, fuck. Hmm. So she kept going along with her business independently, but then, yeah, she had the elevated status of a married woman. And sometimes she'd use that as a shield from the law where it's like, oh, well, you're doing these things. It's like, well, I'm married, so it's fine. Mm, yeah, okay. And then the other part of it was that she was able to get rid of legal suits against her under her maiden name by arguing that she had a husband. She's like, uh, that's not my name. My name is like, no, something I'm, else. I'm, yeah. I'm married. That woman's single. I'm married. Like, that's uh. not me. So it was very like a business decision. Yeah. Only ever marry for business. Yeah, okay. Well, we're learning that lesson today. We are learning. It's a big one. Huh. I wonder if he, like, if the husband... Now I'm just speculating. Yeah. But if he was like, speculation anyway. if he was like gay or something and was like, mm-hmm. well, if I have a wife, it looks better for me, but I don't ever want to see her. So I'm just well, especially gonna, if your dad is like, oh, the perfect the, housewife, yeah, how to be modest. Exactly. And he's like, fuck you, dad. Yeah, I'm going to find <laughs> like the most said. immodest yeah. woman and marry her. And it was just kind of like a deal for both of them mm-hmm. where it was like, we, I, I bet it was something like that. And then he probably got an elevated status as like, yeah. no, oh, I'm not man. weird. I'm and not now, like a bachelor. I'm married. Exactly. And then his dad is off his case about being a single man and he's like i'm a married man now and well it's like, kind of okay. like the play thing mm-hmm. where she's like i'm not gonna get married but it was kind of like well okay mm-hmm. you want me to get married i'm gonna marry like the most outlandish person <laughs> i can find yeah at some point Maul organized a group of roughnecks to embark on a career of highway robbery <laughs> she would she would like ride wildly down a road in pursuit of a coach and then order the driver to halt while aiming pistols at them. Whoa. And then her men would order the passengers to step out, and then they would take their jewelry and purses. Oh, my God. She was even bold enough to stop the coach of, like, a general, and she wounded him in the <gasps> struggle. She fled but was captured, and then she was taken to Newgate Prison and tried and sentenced to be hanged. Whoa. She asked to see the general, and when she, like, met him, he was shocked that a woman had robbed and shot him. Whoa. And then when she met him, she proposed a deal. She said, I'll pay you 2,000 pounds if you drop the charges against me and arrange for my release. Hmm. And then the guy at the time, he needed money and Maul knew it. Mm. So he accepted the deal. Yeah, okay. I mean, shit, if he's not horribly injured and also it's probably embarrassing for him to be like, I, I was shot by a woman. Uh-huh. So she pays him the money, and then she was released. Uh-huh. But that experience scared her so much that she gave up highway robbery. Oh, that was a short-lived dream. <laughs> and then with her fortune, she she'd like buy property and businesses. Like she was fucking amazing. She opened uh, the Globe Tavern, which became the center of all criminal activities <laughs> in London and a meeting place for every pickpocket, highwayman, and cutthroat in the city. Mm. At the Globe, Maul gave, gave advice on planned robberies and burglaries and also established <laughs> herself as the most important fence in the city, which wow. is when people would bring stuff to her and she would fence yeah. their stolen goods. She was referred to at this time by the aristocrats of London as the Queen of Misrule. I mean, she is doing pretty well for herself. She worked it out. Mm-hmm. She has her own business. She's, like, thriving. Mm-hmm. So Maul's most scandalous enterprise was a dating agency. She acted as a panderer and helped rich men find women 
willing to be mistresses. Oh. <laughs> which isn't that surprising. You know, that's like you know, old school. Well, yeah. But, but what just... Maul did, mm. she's an innovator. She noticed that the industry was only catering to one gender. Right. So she flipped it on its head and she found an untapped market of wealthy women who wanted attractive male escorts. Whoa. So her house began to fill up with soldiers and other men coming to her for employment as well as older or wealthier women looking for lovers. I love her. She is like a, like beyond her time. Badass. So Maul described the men she provided as the sprucest fellows the town afforded. Fun. And she was amused to see some of them later presenting themselves in high society. Wow. She's like, I did that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Best of all, from Maul's point of view, she got paid twice, once by the women and once by the men. Damn, she is smart. I know. She also acted as a go-between and cut out for, for, for people engaging in more perilous affairs, something which gave her friends in high places who were paid her discretion with leniency later on. So she would, like, she would, like, cover up people's affairs, basically. Damn. Okay, and then... So there are like rumors about her place in the British Civil War, but I think a lot of it was just kind of like, they were just, the, um, both sides were kind of trying to use her as like, like, look, she was like fighting for our side or whatever. Mm. But really, it seems like most of the British Civil War, she was an inmate at a royal hospital, better known oh. as Bedlam. Oh. It's likely that a notorious bohemian like her was an early target of the Puritan authorities, mm. and some accounts have her paying a massive 2,000-pound bribe to escape from the gallows Ooh. and put herself into Bedlam instead, which I'm guessing was like, you know, a psychiatric yeah. hospital kind of a thing. Yeah. She was re released in 1644, and she, she laid low for the next decade and a half. And then Maul developed edema in 1659, which is fluid retention in her tissues. So Yuck. it's really painful. It's a symptom, but... It's a symptom of a woman wearing pants. They don't know why she got it. <sighs> she did still live until the age of 74. Wow. So she died in 19... Sorry, 1659. She's actually a witch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at her home in bed... And it's a pretty good age. Her will famously was supposed to make the request for her to be buried on her face with her breech upward <laughs> in order that she might be outraged as outrageous in death as she had been in life. Ugh, love her. The year after Maul's death, Charles II was restored to the throne of England, and in the following years, Maul Cutpurse, terror of the streets of London, made her transformation from public menace to fondly remarked remembered folk hero so there were three biographies published after her death all casting her as part of the popular resistance to parliamentary rule. So they're mm -hmm. just kind of like used her as a yeah a character in the yeah and then basically they're saying that maybe maybe it was that she was just like a pawn in their game but then it also could be that Maul represented all that people had missed from the pre-war period, the romance, the adventure, and above all, the fun she'd had. So I that's mean, the story of Maul Cutpurse. <laughs> way ahead of her time. The coolest woman ever. Genius. Mm-hmm. I love everything about her. I know. 
She was great. She was great. I, like, want to be her. Yeah. I want to be her friend. Yeah. I want to pick her brain. Yep. You want to pick her pocket. I want to pick her pocket. I want her to pick my pocket. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah, she was, like, she was like not going to be put into a box. She was going to be her own person. She's not fucking around. Mm. Love her. Go mall. I know. Shit. That's an See, awesome story. I love that story. Not all criminals are bad. Mm-mm. No, no. I... So... I know, I thought I'd do, like, a fun one. And then I just... I think, like, of course, the church and the parliament are uh, toss salads. I know, putting her in jail for wearing men's clothes and shit. What a bunch of losers. And how boring. I just, like, back, you know, back in the 15 and 1600s, life was so fucking weird. Everything was so weird. And, like, I just feel like the things that they had to do for fun... Sometimes it would be fun, like, watching her play her lute and sing songs and, like, recite stories and stuff. Awesome person with, like, great ideas and, like, an entrepreneur. I mean, it sounds like she got away with, like, a lot of it, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fuck those people for arresting her for wearing pants and playing her lute illegally. I know. You're really reaching. You're really reaching. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I hate when people tell other people what to do and how to live their lives if they're not hurting anyone else. Yeah, for sure. But Maul is a legend. God. If we could all aspire to be as great as Maul. Let's all be Mauls. All be Mauls. Love her. I do, too. You ready for some crime any sakes? Let's do it. And now for the portion that we like to call Crime and Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay, this one comes from news.sky.com. The headline is, Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle, lifestyle company is being sued after a man allegedly, or alleged, one of its vagina scented candles <gasps> exploded goop no <laughs> no Gwyneth Paltrow what the fuck is she she's like the most nutty person yep. what the she hell she lost Look, her marbles. I, like I love her in Wes Anderson movies I love Wes Anderson movies she's like amazing but what the fuck she's nutty <laughs> she's she nutty off her this rocker. is what happens when you've always had like a shit ton of money and you can't relate to like normal yeah. people yeah. her story is classic so it says, Colby Watson from Texas said he bought the infamous $75, this smells like my vagina candle. Oh, it's her vagina mm-hmm. in particular? Mm-hmm. Who is smelling it <laughs> and then, like, recreate Like, what? How? I just, I can't, I, okay. Okay, he ordered it from Goop's website in January. Who wants to smell her vagina? Well, apparently Colby Watson did. Colby, what were you expecting? After burning it for about three hours on his bedside table... Must have been a nice mm-hmm. scent. <laughs> he alleged the candle exploded what? and became engulfed in high flames. <gasps> According to a court document, he said the flame, the blaze left a black burn ring on his bedside table. The candle jar was charred and black. However, no injuries were reported. How do you... Kn- the, like, how do you mismake a candle that badly? Well, the Goop website has a warning on its website advising people not to burn the candle for more than two hours. At a time? Or, yeah. like... 
We're confident. What? They, what? Said, they said we're confident this claim is frivolous and an attempt to secure an outsized payout from a press-heavy product. We stand behind the brands we carry and the safety of the products we sell. Which also, she also told women to put, like, an egg in their vagina. Yeah, the jade egg scandal. I know. Like, this woman is uh, off her fucking rocker. Wait, I... Yeah. It's just wax and yeah. a wig. Yeah, so why is it exploding and why is there a two-hour limit on your vagina candle? What And the why hell? is it $75? Well, you know, wax is expensive. <laughs> Beeswax Shit. is expensive. What the fuck? Well, there's also that whole, like... Her claiming to be on her, uh, whatever that is, diet where she, like, drinks her alkaline water and then puts lemon juice in it, which, like, makes it non-alkaline anymore. She's a fucking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> what is What is going on with those candles is what I want to know. And what do they smell I'm like? I'm going to look now and see if candles have warnings. Like, do not burn for more than... I mean, apparently, if it smells like a vagina, it might explode. Can you imagine you're, like, chilling in bed with, like, your candle, and it's, like, light, nice and whatever, and then all of a sudden it's just, like, erupts into, like, a huge <laughs> flame? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right, goop. Yeah. Goop. What a dupe. But you're right. Oh. You never had any real-world experience. You've just been rich your whole life. And then I'm you assuming you just have a lot of people around you that are like, oh, that's yeah, a great that's idea. Great. Yeah. 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 And you're like, oh, yeah. That have is, you seen you her, know? like, the goops, like, guide to Christmas gifts or whatever? And it's all, like, things that are, like, Look, over a thousand I would be thrilled to get one of those gifts for Christmas. Yeah, one of them okay. was, like, a hot air balloon ride. I know. That's what I was thinking of. Like, it's like a picnic and a hot air balloon ride. And I was like, yes, please. I've mm. always wanted to go on a hot air balloon. Mm. Always. Mm. One of these days, I'm going to get there. <laughs> I know it's dangerous, but I want to do it. This one is from HuffPost.com. More goop. No more goop. <laughs> the holidays are a time to reconnect with old friends, but breaking into jail may not be the best way to do it. Authorities in Indian River County, Florida, of course, arrested a man Monday night after he allegedly tried to break into the county jail by ramming his car into the front door and then <laughs> trying to climb the fence. He comes in through the front? <laughs> the suspect, 24-year-old Patrick Rempe, was arrested when he got tangled in the fence's razor wire. Oh, no. Rempe was taken into custody and treated for minor injuries. Up. Probably. Oh. Police said he told them he was high on, on a synthetic drug, Flocka, Ooh. and just wanted to visit friends who were in the jail. Flocka? Yeah. Sheriff's, <laughs> de sheriff's department <laughs> officials estimated the damage to be at least $5,000, which They're I like, see is like an Dude, underestimation. Dude, we have visiting hours for <laughs> yeah! a reason. Just walk in, bro. <laughs> Even if Rampe had managed to climb the fence, he would have had to scale another fence and then get through a locked door at the building where his friends were housed. Rampe is now facing charges of ag aggravated assault on a law enforcement officer, uh -oh. battery on law enforcement officer, three counts of felony criminal mischief, leaving the scene of a crash with property damage and driving under the influence. Rampe is being held without bond, which... Ironically, it gives him plenty of time to reconnect with old friends. Oh, so it worked it out worked in the out. end. It really did. Oh my god, He got god, his wish. Dude. He gets to hang out with his buddies. Hey, 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 hey. So, 
that's what we have for you so this, this week. holiday season <laughs> if you want to spend time with a loved one maybe do it during visiting hours yeah yeah go through the door you know like a regular person I mean, maybe just don't do that flocka or whatever. Yeah, beware of synthetic drugs, yeah. guys. That's, That's just, bad. Just, just do the natural ones. A lot of times ones. they're not that good. They're stick, kind of scary. Stick to natural. Yeah, let's just do natural drugs, Natural everyone. drugs. Uh, team up with your mom to, to commit crimes. Team up uh, with your mom, do some drugs, commit some crimes. Wear some pants if you're a lady. Play your loot. Play your loot. To your heart's content. Never eat the pudding. And these are the advice... These are the advice that These we are These are the advice <laughs> <laughs> that you must live by. Yes, our English is great. So So take our advice. Take our and advice. And mm-hmm. also self-care. Check out humblebeherbal.com. Get some self-care to also, you know, treat yeah. yourself. Treat your mom, you know? Treat your yeah. friends in jail. They deserve some self-care too. Yeah, I don't think they have bathtubs in jail, so you can't go for a bath fizzy. Hey, but they got shower steamers. Maybe you get a shower steamer and put that on maybe the floor, steam up for everyone. Fresh, you know. Mm-hmm. Feel good and minty clean. So treat yourself to a spa day. Treat your friends and family. Enjoy the products at Humblebee Herbal. Use code CRIMINY20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. And check them out, humblebeeherbal.com. Thank you for tuning in. Please rate, review, subscribe, and... It's year two, y'all. Support us. Year two. Email us at crimeanypodcast at gmail.com. Tell us some things. Give us a story, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And we will be back next week with some more fucked up shit and maybe maybe some delightful things like old mall. Who knows? She's one of a kind. She is. Love her. Love yourself. Be a mall. Be a mall. Goodbye. Goodbye. Team up with your mom to commit crimes. Team up with uh, your mom, do some drugs, commit some crimes. Wear some pants if you're a lady. Play your loot. Play your loot. To your heart's content. Never eat the pudding.